Hey, Panther fans, right now on the SiriusXM app, hear the most in-depth Carolina Panthers coverage anywhere with Believe in Carolina Panthers, part of the Believe Podcast Network on SiriusXM. Hear from me, Desmond Johnson, and my co-host, Skylar Callahan from Sports Illustrated, and Panther great Jonathan Stewart, as we break down the Panthers before and after every game through the NFL season. Your team, your podcast. Search BLEAV in Carolina Panthers on the SiriusXM app, Pandora, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Do you believe? For the best sports talk in the triad. Can't touch this. The best interviews with coaches and players. You're home for live triad sports. And now it's TGI Friday. Welcome to Out of Pocket with Michael Davis. Happy Friday. You're in the huddle with franchise players. Welcome to a Friday afternoon edition of The Score. Tobacco Rogues TGI Friday Sports Line. 4 p.m. WWBG, 1470 a.m. every Friday afternoon. So where exactly can you hear Tobacco Road Sports Radio? Oh, in North Carolina, Kernersville, Salisbury, you know what I'm saying, Burlington. I, I, we, I, I didn't bring the Raleigh, Greensboro, Charlotte. For the best in live sports debate, live sporting events, and more, tune in to Tobacco Road Sports Radio. TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. It's the North Carolina. Like to have everybody's attention for a moment. There's a stat. I don't like bringing up stats, but there's one stat about the Panthers. He's in the world is James Harden better scored than Michael Jordan. No, he's a more creative in that. He's Traveling been, is not creative, he Brandon. He you know, no matter what the score is, and they've said it themselves, whether they're up 10, down 10, down 20, whatever, they know they can turn it on whenever. Why did you have to bring up the Cowboys? <laughs> Lived in Texas for two years and just could not stand to watch Cowboys football. <laughs> Welcome to the Rundown. Here's Desmond Johnson. Welcome into a brand new edition of the Rundown. Saturday morning here, live, WWBG, 1470 AM. Online, com. You can stream the audio. You can stream the video at Facebook Watch. You can stream it at YouTube on our Tobacco Road Sports Radio YouTube channel. And, of course, on Twitter, at Tobacco Radio. Loaded show today. Jalen Gilkey from WFMY News 2 in the house. Frankly speaking, sports Larry Frank in the house for hour number one. Uh, you know how this goes, guys. I usually give you the rundown of what we're going to do Thursday or Friday. You get a day or two to kind of look over the uh, the topics that we're going to be doing. And then inevitably something happens uh, Thursday or Friday that causes me to push everything down uh, on the schedule. And that was the video that TMC uh, TMZ found of Mr. Draymond Green punching Jordan Poole in the face. And I wanted to start off with this because I saw a lot of different um, – well, it's buried. I've seen a lot of different talking that said it's not a big deal. I've seen other people say it's a completely huge deal. Um, I kind of caught the vibe that the older guys on the Warriors weren't getting along with the younger guys on the Warriors last year. Uh, just little comments here and there in the media and stuff to that effect. But uh, I want to show it. So if you're, if you're watching uh, this right now, you, you'll be able to see it. Uh, on our video networks. You won't be able to see it, of course, if you're listening to it on the radio. So I'm going to kind of give you a play-by-play of uh, of this video, and then we're going to basically react to it here. Um, so to give you a little down, uh, the Warriors are at practice uh, getting ready for something or other. Draymond Green's on one side of the court, and Jordan Poole is actually on the complete other side of the court. Um, and, of course, as I'm trying to do this, my video is stalling. Uh, Draymond Green comes over, kind of gets in Jordan's – space or whatnot jordan pushes him in the chest and then draymond just hauls off and punches dude in the jaw um a couple of things before i turn it over to you guys that i noticed in this video 
I noticed that uh, no one seems shocked, like on the court, like as it's happening. If you watch it, all the players, no one rushes over there. There's a coach actually that walks over with Draymond as he's walking over. So it makes you feel like he kind of had an idea that something might happen. But the idea that nobody was really uh, shocked that that this had happened uh, makes me feel like that there was something in the air already between these two. Now, um, waiting for this ad to end here. Here we go. So, so we check out the video here. I'm walking everybody through it. They point out who Draymond Green is in the video. Jordan Poole's over here off to the side on the baseline. It doesn't even look like Jordan Poole's looking at Draymond Green. You know, you can kind of see him talking a little bit. Okay, yeah, you can see him talking a little bit. They're going a little bit back and forth, back and forth. Draymond comes over like, oh, I didn't hear you. Gets in his space. Jordan pushes him, and then he just punches him in the face. So my question here, what should what should happen here with this? Because the Warriors have basically said no one's getting suspended. Draymond's not missing any games. He's apologized to the team. But this seems a bit aggressive doesn't it like i want to hear your thoughts on this because this isn't the first time that something's happened with draymond either with the warriors we're we're on like two hands for the number of incidents that draymond's had uh with this team i guess what i'm really getting to is is he really that valuable to the warriors where they need to keep him going forward um jalen let's start with you I, I know you've seen this video by now what are your thoughts on this is this a big deal or is it a big nothing or what, what's what's going on Oh, you're muted. Or your headset's not. We can't hear you. Can you hear me now? There you go. Yeah, there it is. Oh, yeah, you can hear me now? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, in my opinion, man, this 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 is no big deal at all whatsoever. Um, one thing I know about sports, from my personal experience, high school, college, even from a lot of the stories my dad told me about being in the pros, man, this type of stuff happens all the time especially early in the season, training camp, spring training, whatever you want to call it, when guys spending way too much time with each other, practicing and playing against each other and not having that outlet to take their anger out and that testosterone out on another team. We see it all the time in training camp. Football, we don't hear about it as much in baseball, but it happens all the time. It's more of a hotel mm -hmm. thing. Uh, I've heard many of stories of teams ruining Ritz Carlton's and all type of stuff going on uh, with with a rumble, and I mean like I, I and like I said on Twitter, from ninth grade till I finished playing baseball my junior year, I got in a fight every year with at least one teammate. Every like, year, like a fist fight though. Yes, like, this yes. seems like yes. this seems like a lot. Uh, maybe no. it's because it's still on video. Like it, it's that first of all of seeing it you're just like oh man that, that was pretty there's this uncontrollable factors in the team like sometimes it's just we're repping so hard against each other and going at it so competitively but there's sometimes where there's just personalities that don't get along and they mm -hmm. don't mix and things bubble over sometimes well i've um, seen i've seen like there's been little things with clay draymond and steph where well not necessarily steph but clay i've noticed in particular as he was trying to get back from injury, he'd say things in the media, uh, little small things like about Jordan Poole or the younger guys, you know, that kind of thing. Just not, I guess, a little bit of shade, I guess, maybe. I don't but, know for how to put it. But, but I mean, if we think about it, right, once Jordan Poole really started 
to really step into the spotlight, step into a and become a major contributing factor to the Warriors. You could see, and even the announcers would speak on it. You could see his confidence just growing and growing and growing and growing. Yeah. And it got to the point sometimes I would imagine it, it could rub some people the wrong way. I, I'm a very similar – I have a very similar personality from what I can see. Yeah. You know? I mean, uh, I can – Jordan in particular, because don't forget, Steph was injured at the beginning of the playoffs. Exactly. So he was, he was the man. Yeah, he was he was killing it, you know. Exactly, and, and he was letting everybody play. know I'm mm-hmm. the man. So it, I, don't I, know, I, I feel like that kind of has something. Yeah, I think that plays into it as well. Uh, but one thing I want to tell Jordan Poole, you ever put your hands on somebody, you better be prepared to defend yourself, son. That has been the narrative that I've heard from pretty much everyone my age and down. Do you put your uh, hands on like, somebody? Yeah, if, you, if, you get somebody, if somebody gets in your space, your immediate reaction should be to put your hands up. But if you're going to put your hands on somebody's chest – right. You need you to be could, reactionary. Like, as like, you yeah, saw Draymond you eating up that space, you could have created some space and had time to, you know, just to be like, hey. The look. push was half-hearted on top of it, too. Exactly. Like, you didn't want to like do it. Off me. Yeah, he didn't he want did. it, really. But and guess then, what? Draymond did. <laughs> Draymond guess what? So uh, everybody keep their hands to themselves, and this wouldn't happen. This wouldn't happen. Larry, your thoughts on this? Because at first I was like, okay, it's nothing. They probably do this all the time. Then I saw the video, and I was like, hmm, we probably need to at least address it because people are talking about it. So – your thoughts on this? Uh, should Draymond have been suspended for this, or is this a big nothing? It's a big nothing. I mean, people are just, um, you know, blowing this thing way out of proportion, just like all due respect, we are right here. It's not a big story. It really isn't. What team doesn't? You're a family. You're with these people. I played baseball. You know, you're you're with these people. In some cases, uh, you know, all these days in a row, you're constantly with these people. There's going to be arguments and different things, but you get a TMZ that wants to get a story that needs a story that wants to blow this out of proportion. And for all we know, you know, we don't know what was said. We don't know the words that were said between the two of them. Because you can but see they, that they're talking right, back and forth. You can see so. they're talking, but we still, it could have been something as simple as Draymond saying, listen, you know, you may have been the man, but right now we're all a team here and we all play together. It could have been something like that just bringing him even keel and bringing him down to let him know there's more than him on the team. We don't know what was said. But at the end of the day, the media has to stop this crap and try building a story out of nothing. There's nothing here. Like um, Jalen hit it right on the head. What sports teams don't have issues like that? We see people in dugouts beating the crap out of each other on the same team. We see people on the football field arguing with their coaches and things like that. The only difference now, if this would have happened 20 years ago before social media, you don't even hear about it. You would have seen it. I think that's the, the reason why is the film. The film, because it was kind of exactly. done away before the film came out. And then TMZ, I want to know how TMZ got the film. Because TMZ, this that's is exactly like, what I was about to say. Whoever, time TMZ's done this, like, whoever, TMZ had people everywhere. They had people whoever, hiding everywhere. Somebody in that video them. room at, uh, that's exactly it. Somebody that's on that staff that's not happy with their pay. Mm, got five grand to give them that tape and was like, nah, they got they probably got more than that. Yeah, you're right. But TMZ I think the not, one thing TMZ you did miss, Desmond, when you said it, and um, no disrespect towards you, but when I look at that film over and you look at the end, there are people running there. There are people getting it's not really a, it may it's not, not really it could have oh been God, earlier. Like you know right? what I mean? It, it could have been earlier why they were jabbing separated. 
But there were people running in once punches were thrown. There's well, there's one coach that walks over with Draymond as he yes, walks over, that, like, oh, okay, that. here we go. And and but when Draymond punches the dude, the dude's just standing there. Like the coach is just like, oh, like he don't really get in the middle or nothing. He just stand and then like Draymond's the first one to get to pull. It's almost like to prevent him from falling to the ground or something. Like he punched him in the face and then kind of pinned him against the pad. But that I don't know. Me and like there's one I would kill him if he was my coach. Because you know, you get involved in that. What do you do if you're Jordan Poole? Like, because to me, I'm like, okay, you've just lost face. Like, what are you supposed to do going forward? You get over it. How? Like, what? I mean, you got to play with this dude now for the next seven months. And, like, you're about to get – well, you were supposed to be getting a contract extension possibly after the year. Draymond, honestly, I honestly think the Warriors are getting closer and closer to that day where Draymond can go. I mean, there was times in the NBA Finals this past year people forget the Warriors are playing five on four. Like Draymond was out there stinking up the place, and they're paying him twenty five million dollars. And then this happens, so that's kind of why I started off with. But at the pitches. end of the day, winning a championship will take Jordan Poole farther than if he doesn't suck his pride. Hey, well, it true. happened. We got it. Now let's get it. It's over with. It happens. You ever get in a fight with your brother or sister? If any of you have brothers and sisters, you don't hate them the rest of your life because you got in a fight with them. You get over it and you continue, and they're still your brother or your sister. Well, it's I don't know how close, thing. but that assumes Jordan Poole and Draymond Green were close friends, like before this happened. Like they might have disliked each other the whole time. They don't have to be up. friends. Yeah. They got to be able to play together and win. That's more important than being friends. So I guess I guess we'll see if they can, uh, and they probably will. It's the Warriors. I'm not really too concerned <laughs> yeah. with them. They're probably going to be one of the top NBA teams. NBA right around the corner, actually. What do you say? Uh, we went from a pool party to the slumber party. <laughs> he, he did go night night now uh i will say um in terms of uh nah, never mind i lost my train of thought the uh for nba here going forward because that's going to start here in the next couple of weeks uh and actually tobacco road has a huge announcement uh we'll be announcing to the triad on monday morning uh regarding uh some additional programming that'll be uh coming through tobacco road sports radio for the triad so keep your ears open for that that'll be coming out uh on monday morning um we'll wait a week or so before we start getting the nba predictions and stuff i know the hornets and celtics were here last night uh the greensboro coliseum i'm a little worried about my hornets but i started th- I, I zoomed out like i like to say i zoomed out to look at the bigger picture and i'm hoping that they did nothing in the offseason like literally nothing they did nothing but sign dennis smith jr like a couple weeks ago um and basically watch miles bridges just kind of sit there i'm hoping they did that with the intent to not necessarily tank but just not be as good as the rest of the East. So they can get this Victor Wimbayama kid, the seven, four kid that was killing it uh, for elite this past week, yeah. get him lottery, put him with LaMelo. That would, that would be, I think, I think the entire state of North Carolina has the same thought as you did. I, I, I think Anybody that supports. <laughs> I think it's a Hornets. wish. <laughs> yeah. Y'all wishing on the same star. I mean, what are we supposed to do? It's the same squad. We just saw get boat raced in the play in game. Without Miles Bridges. Ago. That was with Miles Bridges, yeah. So, like, yeah. I, we're going to have to do this without him. I know a lot of people are like, um, well, Gordon Hayward, if he's – because technically oh, starting because Gordon Hayward was hurt. You want to like, talk about was, wishing on a star. You can't count on Hayward. Well, this is starting you know? wishing on a star. I mean, we paid him $30 million. We got to start expecting him to play, right? No, I mean, you don't. Kind of you know thing. why? Because he's not. <laughs> so it doesn't matter. Well, you should have excitement, team. Desmond, about this team. Young guys are finally going to get a chance to play. I am excited about that. Jones and uh, what is it? Boot camp. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm already. Uh, James uh, Book Knight. Book Knight. Uh, um, these they, are they guys that should have been playing more last year that yeah. are going to get time and replace some of these guys 
and fit in. And you got a new coach, hopefully a new culture. Not that everybody agrees. Kind of sort he's back, but yeah. Steve well, Clifford, it doesn't yeah. matter. It's still <laughs> different than last year. Don't be happy with last year. Yeah, I don't care how much better you were than the, you know, it, you can be better than crap, but that doesn't mean you're good. That just means you're better than crap. Okay, a, a more uh, refined form of crap. That's all it really right, means. Exactly. But I don't think I anybody think was happy with Hornets season last year. And to be honest, um, I like really, the young guys. I, I love really the young. Like a lot of these dudes, you know, they were here at the Swarm in Greensboro last year. Is the reason why uh, James Ray was no longer here because he wasn't playing any of the young guys. Exactly. And uh, actually, me and JP Monday, I remember this conversation around draft time. Uh, I was on franchise players, and he was saying they shouldn't have traded the other first round pick that they had because they had two this year. That's right. And the whole time, me, uh, Scholar Callahan, and some others were like, they didn't need it. They had three first round picks the year before. And none of those kids could even get on the floor. Like the, the Hornets are mainly a, a team of 21 year old kids and they haven't been able to play. Like we need to see them on the court, let them grow. You may not need to go out and get that big, huge free agent or whatever it might be. So we'll, we'll, we'll keep up with the Hornets throughout the rest of uh, the season for sure. I'm going to take a quick break and then come back. One of the reasons why I wanted to make sure I had Larry and Jalen on today. Uh, earlier this week, Aaron Judge broke the American League home run record uh, set by Roger Maris uh, with 62 home runs. We're going to talk about this because the narrative has been, who is the true home run king? Uh, is, is it Aaron Judge? Is it Barry Bonds? Is it uh, Babe Ruth still? like We're going to get into this debate here. Uh, it's going to get a little tricky because of the, the situation with Bonds, but uh, we're going to get into that. And uh, I'll walk you through the college football scoreboard. Uh, some of the bigger games will be kicking off at noon today. We'll get you ready for that as well. But when we come back, we'll top it off with the high school football scoreboard from last night. You are listening to The Rundown, WWBG 1470 AM and com. You're listening to The Rundown with Desmond Johnson. Blue Naples Pizzeria in Kernersville is now hiring. Come work for one of the best Italian restaurants in the triad. Currently hiring dishwashers, cooks, front cashiers, and more. Great hours, great pay. Give them a call at 336-993-7707 or stop by and inquire at 1519 Union Cross Road in Kernersville. Start working this week. Blue Naples Pizza. Walkertown Auto Sales. Look no further when shopping for your next vehicle. Located in the heart of the triad at 3076 Walkertown View Drive in Walkertown, Walkertown Auto Sales specializes in affordable and reliable used cars, trucks, and SUVs. They offer financing with good credit, bad credit, or no credit, with interest rates as low as 3.9%. With knowledgeable employees that are always willing to go the extra mile, you'll drive away with the car of your dreams at Walkertown Auto Sales. Check out the entire online inventory now at Walkertown Auto Sales. Hi, I'm Sabrina Kuhn Godfrey. Hi, I'm Deanna Kaplan. Hi, I am Richard Watts. The Common Sense Choice for Winston-Salem Forsyth County School Board. It would be our honor to serve you. Make your voice heard by voting for Deanna, Richard, Sabrina, and and Common Sense. We need your support. Early voting starts October 20th. Paid for by Sabrina Kuhn Godfrey for VOE, Deanna Kaplan for School Board, Richard Watts at Large School Board. Hey, Pops, where you want to go eat tonight? I'm going to go get me some good southern cooking at Ball Brothers down by the airport in Winston. No, Pops, it's Bell Brothers, and they closed years ago. It's Taste of the Triad now. Taste of the Triad? Is it in the old Ball Brothers building? Yep. Can I still get baked chicken and collard greens? Sure can. 
How about neck bones, meatloaf, and pork chops? Taste of the Triad has all that. So they ain't got pinto beans, tater salad, mac and cheese, or fried okra? Pops, they have all that, plus homemade cakes and cobblers and sweet potato pie. Well, then I don't care what they call it. Let's go eat. Taste of the Triad. Open daily for lunch with $5.99 specials from 11 to 2 and chef specials daily. Don't miss the Saturday brunch from 9 to 1 and the soulful Sunday dinner when you come out of church full of the word but hungry for Southern comfort food. Taste of the Triad in the old Bell Brothers building at Old Walkertown Road and North Liberty in Winston-Salem. That's good Southern cooking. Back to the Rundown with Desmond Johnson. North Carolina A&T is on a bye this week. There's no North Carolina A&T game uh, tonight. They will be back next week here on Tobacco Road Sports Radio and uh, WKEW Delight. You can hear um, Coach Sam Washington's press conference Monday at 12 noon from the campus of A&T. And the coach's show airs Thursdays at 6 p.m. Uh, here online and on WSJS 600 a.m. in the Triad. You're listening to The Rundown. Desmond Johnson, Larry Frank, Jalen Gilkey in the house with you for hour number one. Uh, real quick, wanted to get into some high school football scores from last night. Uh, as most of these teams have settled in a conference play, Walkertown defeated North Forsyth 20 to 12. Southeast Guilford over Southwest Guilford 36 to 0. Northwest Guilford 52 to 20 over Northern Guilford. Northern Guilford's going through some injuries right now. Reagan against West Forsyth. That was our triad high school football game of the week last night. And it was a good one. 42 to 39. Reagan uh, outlasts West Forsyth, uh, Adrian Snow's boys. Oak Grove still undefeated 30 to 14 over North Davidson last night. High Point Central falls to Rockingham County 20 to 7. Grimsley defeated Ragsdale 56 to 6. Smith falls to Southern Guilford 20 to 14. Let's see, what else do we have here? Uh, Wheatmore falls to Southwestern Randolph, 56-25. Dudley beat Northeast Guilford, 33-0. And uh, Mount Tabor over Davie, 34-25. East Forsyth over Parkland, uh, 59-0. I called that game last night. Um, I've never called a game without a scoreboard before. The scoreboard was out due to power uh, outage from the remnants of Hurricane Inn from last week. So we had to call the entire game with no scoreboard. So that was an experience. Uh, Glenn defeated Reynolds 21 to 0. And Pine Lake Prep over Bishop McGinnis 49 to 0. Tuesday, McMichael beat Moorhead 63 34 too. That's why. Is that the game you were at? Yeah, that's all last night. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, I did leave out uh, Western Guilford. Go Hornets. They defeated the Page Pirates 27 to 21. Um, oh, Tuesday, shout out to Western, man. Yeah, I know, right? It's like that's probably like the first, they might be the first win this no, year. That's their first win of the year. I think they might have scored their first touchdown of the year last night. Wow. Wow. We're in week eight, too. So, yeah. Um, it's crazy the difference in some of these high school teams. Uh, when we were doing the game last night, Parkland probably only had 29 kids out there total. Um, and they don't have a JV. So it's like their JV and their varsity put together. And East got a chance to use their JV kids because they didn't play the night before. So East shows up with like 60 plus kids and they just look bigger than the other kids. But um, it was while I was homecoming last night, East too. So it was a great night for football. I know a lot of people were at the fair and whatnot. Um, Tuesday night. Yeah, it was beautiful last night. Uh, Tuesday night, Aaron Judge, the New York Yankees uh, slugger, hit a 62nd home run against the Texas Rangers in the first inning, uh, his first at bat, matter of fact. 
Um, he passed Roger Maris for the single season home run record for an American League player. Um, that record stood for 61 years. Barry Bonds is the single season home run record holder with 73. Um, this is a very layered conversation here, but it's a pretty simple question. Who do you consider the true home run king? And uh, Larry, I'm going to start off with you on this one here. Who do you consider in your mind the true home run king? There's no doubt about it. It's it's Barry Bonds. I mean, people can say what they want, whether he took PEDs, whether he didn't take PEDs. A couple of things about PEDs. First of all, it helps your strength. There's no doubt about it. And if you're a baseball player, it does have the ability to help you stay back on the baseball a little bit longer. But at the end of the day, it does not tell you what pitch to swing at. It does not help hand-eye coordination. It doesn't help you not swing at the pitch and hold up on the pitch. There's still you have to have the ability and agility to play the game of baseball, and Barry Bonds did. Now, if you go back with Barry Bonds, yes, he has the single-season record of 73 home runs. Supposedly, he took PEDs from 2001 through 2006. Oh, he did. There's no no supposedly at this point. Like, he took the green and clear. Whether or not it's – he That's has fine. not been it's convicted. Fine. Everybody was, yeah, it's fine. Okay. But <laughs> nevertheless, okay, before it is stated that he took it, he still had 40 home runs a year, average for a while. And after he says he stopped it, he still hit some 40 homers after it. But at the end of the day, you have to be able to hit a baseball. Look how many times Barry Bonds walked in his career. Okay, that's because, not because of PEDs. PEDs don't tell your brain to, don't swing at this pitch and swing at that pitch. That's pure ability to know to take a strike or take a ball or not swing at a bad pitch. It's amazing about that. If they want to argue about the home run record, this and that, if they have a better argument than PEDs is, let's talk about the state of the baseball and how the baseball isn't as lively as it was back then as it is today where they deaden the baseball for whatever reason to slow down the game or for whatever, you know, junk they say. But at the end of the day, to answer your question, I believe, and I will go to my grave saying, unless somebody beats him, that Barry Bonds is the home run king of everything, of total for career and total for a season. Jalen, let me get you to hop in here. What are your thoughts? And both of you guys, I should have prefaced this to the crowd that both of you guys I have played baseball. You're huge baseball fans. You're you're in it, uh, Jalen. Your dad played professionally. Who uh, out of out of these guys? Who in your mind do you consider the home run king? I'm gonna be real with you, Larry. I love your points. I can't agree. I know with it's you, hard. Man. I know why. I, 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 I can't. I can't agree with you, man. Uh, I just, but you also have a father that played baseball, so it means a little different. There's people that do yeah. it right, like your dad yeah. that did it right. And I still remember the day, Desmond. I will not forget it. Kevin McReynolds came over at the same time Jalen's dad did to the Mets. And it was the greatest time. The power hitters, you know. And I, I don't know how, if you were even born or how old you are. It was at 94, 95? Yeah, somewhere in the 90s, okay? Yeah. So, meanwhile, you were still a baby. But McReynolds, yeah. we were talking about power. The power of the Mets now. Because your dad could hit a long ball. McReynolds, you remember, could hit a baseball. Yeah. But at the same time, if you're a player, and uh, Jalen, I'm sorry to interrupt you on this, but I understand Jalen's point because his dad played. You are doing it the wrong way, Barry Bonds, and you're possibly taking a job 
from somebody that is doing it right. So I, 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 I am not surprised that you believe in that. Absolutely, man. And it's just not only because of the personal connections, but just for my love for the game and understanding the process and the journey and the struggle that it is to be not only become a major leaguer, but to be one of the greatest of all time. And Barry was that at all points of his career. It doesn't really matter what your stance is on that because the numbers prove that uh, from his the day he broke in, he was one of the best to ever put on cleats and step between the lines. And so I give him all the praise for everything and all of his accomplishments, but I can't say that he is the true home run king just due to the fact that these PEDs possibly not only lengthened his career, but it turned a routine fly ball out and candlestick into a three-run bomb. And now some of those balls that he hit way past the kayaks out there in McCovey Cove, yeah, those now. balls, was they was getting out regardless wherever no he matter, was playing. Right. Exactly. Yeah. But they weren't going three miles. Uh, but I, I, I have yeah. to have – I have I, to have – I, I got to push back a little bit on the – I was just gonna say I gotta push back a little bit on the whole PEDs don't do this or do that to a player. You no, know, they don't help with hand-eye coordination and things like that, but they do help with strength. Like they no do doubt about that. And, re and recovery. And it's not even it's not even strength. Recovery is the main thing that these PEDs help players with. They allow you to go work out in the morning and then you'll be able to get another workout in that night after you've played nine right. in the game, and then you can go get back in the gym and then wake up in the morning and go and to the gym again. and then play another nine innings. Yeah. And so now you have an unfair advantage because you have this instantaneous boost of t testosterone. You're stronger. Ball's going to carry a little further. And over 162 games, that really starts to add up, man. And, and I two just, of the guys, Jalen, that come to mind, uh, Cabrera, Melky Cabrera, remember he had that yeah. unbelievable – and Braun unbelievable from the Brewers, remember? Ryan Braun. And after – never after, heard of after, them again. After, after he tested positive, Ryan Braun went down the hill. He's a wrap. Yep, you're right. And yeah. I always think of, like, Ken Griffey Jr. when this conversation comes up because he's exactly. – for all accounts, he did it the right way. But at the end of his career was marred by injuries and just – I always wonder if the thought ever crossed his mind because at the time Absolutely. you got. I'm think sure it had to. Everyone is doing it around him. Uh, my 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 thinking is kind of both ways on this because I, I don't believe in punishing people for doing stuff that was technically legal at the time that they were doing it. Uh, now with Bonds, the the cream, the clear, that's different than like what McGuire and Sosa. Well, I'm not sure what Sosa was doing, but McGuire was doing Andro and like creatine. I was doing creatine in college, like when I was working out. And was really about going to the gym every day and wanted to get cut, wanted to get the ladies, that kind of thing. Creatine was like the the hot GNC thing to do. Like you basically and I'm not even mad at creatine, but once you get into that andro, once you start getting yeah, into well, but even that stuff, every, you could buy the GNC. Like it was exactly. legal, it was over-the-counter stuff that I mean, he wasn't really hiding it. Like he had it in his locker, like during during the interview. But he, he knew he, but he, knew he was cheating. cheating. He knew but he was look cheating. how much money they he made off some doing kind it. Of advantage. Yeah, I do believe that. Um but Desmond, look how much money they've made doing it. The cost of Melky Cabrera doing it. What does he do the next year? He signs a huge contract. So he does it. He gets suspended half a season, but for doing it, he it's makes right an extra 20 I got a perfect example, Larry. Yeah. My good buddy, D. Gordon. D. Yep, Gordon D. Strange. Hey, I met D. I was going to college. They came. He was with the Marlins. They came to St. Louis. And we talking, we talking, we talking before the game. And I was like, I was looking at my dad, and my dad played with his dad, Flash. 
I was looking at my dad. I'm like, how is he in the major leagues? Like, he's like 140 pounds. I was like, I'm bigger than he is now. I mean, unbelievable speed, unbelievable glove, undeniable, could swing the bat. But he went to Miami that one year and hit 20 something home runs. And one of the most memorable home runs, too, after the death of Fernandez. Fernandez, exactly. And then led the league in hitting, won the batting title. Yep. Signed a $90 million deal. The next year they popped him for 180 games. I was like, wow. I was like, "Ah." they made his money, didn't he? But you get Shit. that money, they ain't take, it ain't coming back for it. They don't take it back. So it's it's almost worth the risk. I think deep be down, because he had a, he was a, one of those guys like the original guys that started taking steroids. The original guys that started taking steroids were all fringe guys, career minor leaguers, guys that were on the bubble up and down, up and down, yep. and couldn't really stick. And D was really kind of on that path and trending towards that way. Once he signed with Miami, you know they gave him a more more of an opportunity. But he was like, hey, this probably gonna be my shot, so I gotta make it stick. He did got that bag. And you know, and he was still a good ball down. player before. Exactly, that. exactly. Was. That's the thing. It feels like the ones that are good ball players that decide to take it, like a like McGuire was McGuire was hitting home runs from like you know, but see, college. You the know, steroid, the steroids took Mark McGuire from being a pretty good ball player to a great ball player, like a legend, yeah. like, you know like the whole country like know your name. Even people like and the McGuire baseball back. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I mean like him I, and Sammy Sosa brought baseball back, the, both doing roids. But you know what? Baseball doesn't look at you took care of us right now and brought us back. At the end of the day, you still did steroids. But if they didn't do steroids, who knows where baseball would be right now? It's because it's because it caused it caused so much friction amongst the guys on the field. Do you think they get in the Hall of Fame? McGuire, Sosa, they'll never get in. McGuire, Sosa never will get in. Barry Bonds got a chance. See, and that's with this with this player committee. He's more egregious than the other two. No, he's not. But you got to. He was a three-time MVP before there was before he was a one-time MVP before he even stepped a foot in San Francisco. Well, no, I mean like the and stuff he was taking, the, not his yeah. not his career. Like the Barry was taking stuff he knew was like at the time illegal. Like McGuire was taking. You can stuff let them boys tell you they hurt. didn't know that stuff was illegal and that it was. Trust me, trust me they knew they was cheating. They knew well, they was cheating. Uh, the McGuire, the McGuire. Now again, I don't know what Sammy was taking, and Sammy ended up hitting like sixty plus can, home runs. Can say, like I mean, straight. Sammy yeah. Sosa went out there with a cork bat, Des. Like, what yeah, are we talking yeah. about? That's a name Sammy I don't like. Yeah, I'm not defending Sammy at all. I'm <laughs> like, on the McGuire tip, like where now, Grant now McGuire knew he was doing some stuff that he probably wasn't supposed yes, to be doing. It's a weird gray area where it's like it's not spelled out. Like you can't take this. You can't take that. At and that the time, is true. Ninety-seven. It's true. But but he was taking it, and I like this too. Half the league was probably taking the same stuff, like even pitchers. So the guys he's going up against have an advantage. I say half so, is a high percentage. Yeah. I but Desmond, when you weigh out the Hall of Fame question that you answered, and it's tough, and Jalen will agree with me, you have to kind of ask yourself, at that time, baseball, at the beginning of it, I'm talking about, they really didn't have a process in place to say, this is the consequences if you take PEDs and you don't. So They weren't even drug testing them for anything. Uh, for right. anything back right. then. Exactly. Way. So they, 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 they complicit, in my mind. Major League Baseball was complicit. Major until League Baseball wasn't drug tested for anything. They, right. Remember the uh, chicks dig the long ball? Greg Maddox and yep. uh, Tom Glavin right. with those commercials for Nike and stuff. Like It became in vogue where, like, uh, I remember I was traveling or something, and I had to go through a toll booth in, like, West Virginia in the summer. And people were, like, asking cars going through, hey, did, did McGuire hit today or did Sosa hit today? Like, it got to a point where everybody was talking about it. I'm not even a baseball fan. You know, we don't even talk baseball in the rundown, but I wanted to bring it up because it's a huge deal. It's a crying shame. Uh, and the other thing, Desmond, I was a kid. real quickly, if I may, 
the baseball. We talked about that at the beginning of this conversation. They made it so it doesn't go as far, which makes it more remarkable on how uh, how amazing it is what Judge has done. But people don't remember in the days of Jalen's dad playing baseball, they didn't throw every single baseball that hit the ground out of play. The baseball got beat up. They used it for it almost a cover falling off, which deadened the baseball as well, as mm. you know. So there's a lot to look at. Second of all, I don't know if you guys knew this, Jalen, you probably did, but that when he came close to that 62nd and 61st home run where he was going to break Maris's record there, they used a different baseball every yeah, time he that. came up. They changed the baseball to a symbolic baseball. The reason? They got to know what baseball is the real baseball for the value of the baseball. So there's so much that people don't wow. know that are involved in the game, just the baseball alone, that makes it amazing what people do. And I'm just I'm so gonna... impressed with what Aaron Judge has been able to do, man. Yeah, I am. Turn, turn down that his money. Turn, no, so, you know, as we all know now, I mean, he turned down the six-year, $215 million offer that they tried to get. I know he's about to be 31, so they're like, okay, we're going to, you know, give him a shorter deal. He looked what? at it, laughed because, I mean, Bryce Harper got 300. Soto got 300. Uh Uh, Julio Rodriguez, the rookie, just got two something. And Jalen, they handed out 300 pieces. He's an unbelievable defensive player. You can only player I can say in the MLB right now that is better than Aaron Judge is Shohei Otani. That's it. Yes, I agree. That's it. So, what kind of contract you think he's going to get? Oh, brother, he might be crazy. He might be at 400 million. No, he might be at 400 million. I'm Aaron. If I'm Aaron Judge, especially after how everything went how this many off years? season, yeah, that's what I'm saying. How many I, years? Give me as long as you want, but I need my four hundred million. I say six, Maybe seven years, ten years. Tell, but if I was Aaron Judge, I'd go in there. My first, I tell my agent, we're not talking anything under four hundred million, and I want to start at five hundred. Let's see Ooh, what they say. And remember, you got the DH in both leagues now, so he doesn't have to stay in his options. And I mean, he's one of the best outfielders in the league. Absolutely. So, so do the are the Yankees the team to give it to him? Because I hey, can't imagine at this point the Yankees no, letting him go. No but they not my problem anymore. They didn't because you already us. disrespected me and didn't think no. I was that guy, and I told you I was him. Mm-hmm. I told you, you know I was him. And I went out here broke every record and had the best yep. offensive performance y'all have ever seen. I want five hundred million dollars. You know what? I would love yeah. to see Judge say screw you to the Yankees and have Stephen Cohen of the Mets. Go ahead and sign up. But you know, well, hey, hey I love it, Larry. I love it. <laughs> but you know, they got those unwritten rules up there. Where you I know, they do. You don't take my guys. I don't take your guys. Because if they start doing that, the Yankees, they bankroll. They say that, but they took, always they took strawberry. But they, they, I mean, they was at the, they was on their last look. They that's drugged true. out, too, for a bit there uh, also. So that kind of hey, damaged the record. Let's play nice days. Yeah, we'll, we'll play. I, I was a strawberry fan. They even um, took Dave Kingman. <laughs> Didn't uh, Aaron Judge is from California, right? I keep he hearing is, San Francisco. Yeah, he is. But the, oh the thing God. about going to San Francisco, you never know. Like last year, I think they won 107 games. I know they won 100-plus games. I don't think they won 60. I don't mm-hmm. think they won 70 this year. So they're yeah. so up and down. And then you got to deal with the Dodgers every year. You got the, the Padres who got Manny Machado, who's looking like one of the best third basemen of the generation. Him and Nolan back just- and forth. He'd be better off staying with the Yankees and just getting. I mean, the Yankees would be better off keeping him. Like Absolutely. the Yankees will never hear the end of it if they let. It'd be, be, it'd be best for business. Yeah. I tell you what. I'm gonna keep it here, uh, and we'll, we'll. I'm gonna go to the break at the top of the hour. I've got Ellis Williams from uh, the Charlotte Observer coming on. 
uh, to talk Carolina Panthers. I want to get some NFL with you guys. We haven't had a chance to really get into it the past couple of weeks. Just real quick rapid fire stuff here. Um, what the hell is going on with Russell Wilson? Uh, and the Denver Broncos. Yeah, he's horrific right now. Well, Twelve and nine losers Thursday. He was oh, never that great to begin with. I don't with. think he really was. Yeah, I always thought he was kind of overrated. He, I always he was good. Third, third and he fourteen. That's why I call Russell Wilson. That was the thing he was known for. It would be third and fourteen. He's running around the back of the Seattle backfield, and he would throw it, and somebody would catch it for a fifteen-yard gain and get the first down. It would drive you nuts if you're the other team. That was the main thing he would do was keep these long drives going. But he's always, it's always felt like he's thought of himself as a brand and not a person. So when he, when he says things like Bronco country, let's ride and stuff like that. It comes off as disingenuous to me. Like he's, he's trying to ball, bro. Yeah. He's, he's trying way too hard. He's and like, I don't ball. think he's not Peyton Manning. He can't just be plucked up and, and placed. Well, Peyton Manning has a, good, a personality that people like. And he's a better you know? quarterback, you know, like he can, I mean, I was just talking ball. about just the humanistic side. Oh, of it, you know? <laughs> but what Peyton though, Peyton was like the offensive coordinator of those Denver teams too, for the most part, he was pretty much running the offense. Like they tried it the other way in the very beginning. Remember? And Peyton was like, nah, this ain't gonna work. And they switched to what Peyton yeah. knows. I've been calling places. I was touchdowns. eight. Okay. Yeah. yeah let me do this. <laughs> let me do this. Same thing with Tom Brady in Tampa. Like they tried it one way when he first got there, it wasn't working. Tom's like, let, let, yo, let me, let me handle this. Tampa got rolling again. Um, I'm curious because the, everyone said that division AFC West was going to be the toughest division, and it's really not uh, at the moment. Um, looking at some of the top games coming up on Sunday, of course, Panthers, 49ers, 4 o'clock p.m. I'm going to talk about Matt Rule's status uh, start there. in a bit. Because, man, dude, you know how hard it is to do two podcast episodes on these Panthers every week, <laughs> and it's the same game every week? Real they quick, Des, because you know I love, I, I love your misery. How <laughs> were you feeling? Last Sunday around seven fifteen. Um, after watching possibly one of the worst games, it was well, so which it was the worst. It was the worst game of the year until Thursday night. Oh yeah, until this Broncos game again. Um, I don't know, just kind of despondent. It felt like uh, felt like they knew what Baker was going to do. One of my colleagues was there, uh, Sean Higgins, one of our other sports guys. He was there with his son. His son's a huge Arizona Cardinals fan. And boy, he was like, and Sean's diehard Panthers. He was texting me. He was like, "Jay, man, this is possibly the worst Panthers game I've ever been to." Yo, um, <clears throat> Jonathan Stewart, former Panther running back, does the Believe in Panther podcast with me, and uh, he was hey, there. got you choked up, man. You about to cry? It's okay. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm about to. You should cry. <clears throat> yeah, you should cry. Stu was there, and he was like, uh, "There was no energy in the stadium." That's all. what Sean said. Yeah. So I don't know. It's like a JV game. Yeah, Yeah, but you know the problem with this team is not as big as everybody is making it. It's real simple, and I know when I tell you it, you're both going to agree with me. Two things. Do you know the Panthers? Well, okay, the coach. But let me explain what I mean. Okay, I didn't even I didn't even have him on my list. Go ahead. All right. Well, you should. He should be at the top. top. Okay. But anyway, when you go ahead, they start off real quick, and everybody talks about this since last year. We start off quick. Then we go into halftime and we say we don't make the halftime adjustment adjustments, which is right, okay? Because they feel like, well, we've been doing this the first. Then it's almost like they don't realize the other team is going to make adjustments to counter them. What they don't do well, here's the secret force that they don't do well is, and you guys will understand this, they don't make what's called in-game adjustments. In other words, 
Go ahead. You're winning at a halftime. Start out with doing the same formula, but have a backup plan that if they counter with something, that you know what you're going to do to counter-react to them, and they don't. Because you know what? If you're a good coach, you're going to go into halftime like these other teams, and you're going to come up with some a different adjustments to beat what they've been doing. They don't have that formula to respond to it. And that's where Rule lacks. He doesn't do the in-game adjustments. You can't just make adjustments at halftime. You have to do it. It's almost like coaching somebody at the workplace. You can wait till later when everyone's done, or you can make that correction now so it doesn't affect you going forward. And the in-game adjustment is where Matt Rule suffers the most, and it shows. Because they were dominating in that game last week in, what, the first quarter? They were dominant or first half. The team comes out, uh, Arizona. They go ahead and make the adjustments. What do we do to counteract? Not a darn thing. It's all in-game adjustments. And I think, you know, people are going to talk. I said game four that he would be let go. Okay? We're here. Yeah, we're, we're here. here. Okay, this is it. There won't be another game after this game. Because, you know Here's what? Ben McAdoo is nothing better than him, but Ben McAdoo does have more NFL experience. He's got a better be, mustache, too. It won't, be, yeah. it won't be Ben McAdoo. <laughs> if they do interim head coach, it'll be Steve Wilkes. Um, you think so? Bears, yeah, be. Bears respond more to him. Like he should have had it already. Uh, he got a bum rap at Arizona. He got one year and then got the, you know, the, the hook or whatever. Um, but I don't think they're going to fire Matt Rule. Unless the 49ers come out and win like 40 to 10, like it's just a complete well jumping. Like the Panthers well, don't play that. That's the thing that the Panthers don't, don't really Jimmy play. G has something to prove to the Panthers for not that's, getting in. Well, it, that's the annoying part with these I Panthers. Like they don't get blown like out. They don't get blown out. And because the defense shows up. Yeah, they got a good defense. And typically they run the ball. To me, and the, the 49ers is offense like, isn't super explosive. But you know who else I think was trying to get back to Carolina's got a lot of Carolina ties that that, that didn't really get the spin and it just didn't happen because of, you know, contractual stuff, but he was trying to hold out. I think Debo Samuel was trying to get back to Carolina, too. Mm. But yeah, see, he, he got a lot of ties out this way. He went to South Carolina. Yeah. And actually, his girlfriend and I went to school together at uh, A&T. See, that's the thing, too. I think the reason why we ended up getting Ben McAdoo, because everybody thinks Matt Rule is a rent, you know, on a rental. Like, he's going to be gone after next year. So if you took that job, it would have been a one-year job. Needs to expire. You know? So that I think that's why. And because McAdoo wasn't the first choice. Like, he was, like, the only one kind of left. And I think he's the problem because if you have a healthy Christian McCaffrey, why in the world does he only have eight carries for 27 yards in a 10-10 game in the third quarter? Like, that in a nutshell is the problem with the Panthers. Well, you I, you're blaming McAdoo for this. You're blaming he's McAdoo. The, he's, he's the offensive coordinator. He's the one calling I know, but at the end of the day, as a head coach, you have the right to overrule. So you're allowing McAdoo to run this offense when at the end of the day, you know everything he's going to do. You have a headphone on you during the game to say, no, do not do that. And he doesn't because he's afraid to make decisions. Well, they, I, I, trust me, I'm not absolving rule of any blame at oh, all. No, I He's know, implicit not. as I well. Know, like, they both know. are hand in hand. But to me, it's like the meat and bones of it, they're doing stuff that makes no sense. Like, uh, it was a fourth and one. They decided to go for it. They're on their own 30 or something like that, like yeah. early in the game. And uh, Needed a spark, instead of man. just leaning spark, forward, coach. instead of leaning forward and getting the yard behind your, your line, who you've built to run the football with, you line up in shotgun with Christian McCaffrey five yards away from the line of scrimmage and hand it off to him and expect him to get a yard, and he doesn't. They get stuffed. They turn it over on downs. It's stuff like that. Like, if you know Baker Mayfield's getting balls batted down, 
Roll them out on a bullet. Get them away from the line of scrimmage a little bit or do some play action. They don't do these things. Uh, perfect example a couple weeks ago, Dan Orlovsky on NFL. When he got him started. When he got him started. Yeah, he showed the key, like what they were doing at the time with RPO. Notice ever since yeah, that segment that. aired, they have not run a single play of RPO. And that's well, let me ask you this. Was, it was, was right. They got called out. They decided, well, we can't use this anymore. And they just took it com- literally, completely took it out of the playbook. They have not run RPO since that Dan Orlovsky segment. So there's Desmond, it was Joe spot. Brady. It was Joe Brady last year. It's uh what McAdoo this year. There's gotta be a common denominator, and that's gonna and what you said about that call, you are absolutely right. The RPOs and the call they did on third down, but rule has the opportunity to say to say no, do not call that play, stop it, call something else. See, he but with rule, he doesn't have experience, so well, there you go. He's gonna tell, yeah, he's well, not going to tell Ben McAdoo, who does have experience, you know, calling plays. Where he he's not manning another. He again. shouldn't be doing it. Yeah. Plus, another thing too, Matt Rule has this thing where he will say one thing and do another. Absolutely. He says he he says he wants to be a run first yeah. defensive minded football team, and then the next week he comes out and says, "Well, in order to win this league, you got to throw the football. I need to see more wide receivers." So it's like, which one do you want to be? This team doesn't have an identity, really. And we've hit on that on the Believe Podcast the past couple of weeks where. For the entire existence of the Carolina Panthers, no matter who the coach has been, they've been the same identity. Defense-minded, linebacker university, running back, run the football, play action, play smart, that kind of way. So from George Seifert, Dom Capers, John Fox, Ron Rivera, all those teams had the same kind of mentality. Look at the linebackers that were on those teams, from Sam Mills to Dan Morgan, John Beeson, uh, Luke Keekley. Thomas Davis, they all that those are like four different coaches that I mentioned there, but the mentality was the same. The running backs or just the running game, Cam Newton, Christian McCaffrey, these guys. This team this year, I don't know what they are. Like they refuse to show us what they want to be. The one game they won against the Saints, they did it the way we wanted them to do it. They ran the football, the defense caused turnovers, and special teams showed up. But Baker Mayfield didn't really have to do anything. I don't want him to be the superstar quarterback. That's not him. He's never been that. But he can be an adept game, adept game manager and not turn the ball over and just get it to the guys in space that are on this offense. Like, he just can't – they're not putting him in a position to win. And so they get to a point where Sam Darnold's going to be back in a couple of weeks, and I'm going to be sitting here wondering, do I really want Sam Darnold to come back in here and, and play football? Uh, because Baker's got the worst QBR and, like, the history of QBR or whatever. Like, it's it's gotten it's gotten bad. Uh, real quick, though, uh, and we'll, I'll pick up with that with Ellis here in just a bit. Uh, rest of the NFL. I'm looking through some of these other games. Uh, Giants and Packers in London on Sunday. Both were three and one. Uh, Packers favored by eight. The Giants, uh, I don't even know who's gonna play quarterback for the Giants. I think their first and second string dudes are, are out. Yeah, Tyrod, um, uh, Tyrod got hurt last week. Yeah, and Daniel Jones has like a hurt ankle or something. So they've been a bit of a surprise, but of course, you know, look at who they've played. Um, I'm looking at the Steelers. They play the Bills one o'clock on CBS. Worried about uh, worried about the Steelers. This looks like this might be the year that Tomlin doesn't have a squad that's going to be 500 or better. Like the Steelers are not good. Uh, I just got breaking news. Just as you were talking about the Giants, they did say just came on my phone that Daniel Jones will be starting versus Packers. There you go. It's a 9:30 game in London. On top of it too, so he had to fly uh, out there. So we'll see if he's affected. Uh, do you guys believe in 
the Minnesota Vikings, three and one, two and one, or two and zero oh at home. They're taking on the Bears one o'clock um, in Minneapolis on Sunday. Uh, you don't hear a whole lot about them. They got some talent on their offense, but uh, I guess my overall question: if you had to pick a team in the NFC right now to get to the Super Bowl, who would it be? Because it's so wide open. I'm like, so it feels like the whole conference is two and two, and the ones that are like three and one. Even the Eagles undefeated still, the only undefeated team left in the NFC, I don't trust them to get to the Super Bowl for whatever reason. Real quick, because uh, we're here at the top of the hour, give me your uh, – who would you pick out of the NFC right now? Don't pick the Panthers. Come on, brother. Go ahead, Jalen. <laughs> um, right now, even though they're struggling and dealing with a lot of injuries, I'd have to say my, my pick out of the NFC would have to be – Tampa Bay, the really? Buccaneers. Yeah, they scored they more than so much points in any game yet. Not yet. Not yet. They'll get it rolling. I don't think Brady lasts the year. I don't know you if he will so. either. Without our offensive yeah. line, I understand. Yeah, I get it. That division, not my division. NFC South. It's just sitting here taking, and it's just complete trash. Atlanta, trash. Just, just as Saints we thought. Trash. See, and I was calling on the Saints being trash earlier. Everybody was all like, oh, the Saints are going to contend. I was like, how? <laughs> like, what? I don't understand what, how they're going to be able to contend. And they're not very good. Uh, we talked about my Panthers. Tampa's 2-2. Two and two. Saints lost to the Panthers. Lord have mercy. The Saints did lose to the Panthers. And they're facing uh, Geno Smith and the Seahawks. Who's looking uh, very good. He is looking pretty you know, good. Uh, it's like the resurgence of Geno Smith. Uh, the Dolphins three and one taking on the Jets two and two. It's a one o'clock game on CBS as well. Uh, Falcons Bucks uh, is tomorrow in Tampa. Um, Titans Commanders. I'm just trying to see if there's any games. Cowboys Rams four twenty five. Uh, you believe in the game in this of the whole... day? Yeah, you believe that's America's game of the week coming from Inglewood, California. Do you guys uh, believe in the Cowboys? Uh, I don't think the you know the Cowboys year after year after year always find a way to screw up. It just doesn't matter. No matter who they have, what kind of talent they have, it's just like there's a curse on the Dallas Cowboys. The best team right now, I'm sorry, if you have to pick a team in the NFC to go further, it has to be the Rams. You got to, the defending champs, you got to give that opportunity. But I still think that um, Mike, right now the team that scares me the most is Philadelphia, 4-0 and in that division. Yeah. Um, playing well, but to answer the Cowboys in Minnesota, I just think Minnesota is so underrated. I don't know why people don't talk about them. They got Jefferson. They got Calvin Cook. Well, it's because, um, they got, it's because in the playoffs, they're going to have to play after 4-15 at some point. He turned into not a werewolf, but just a bum. What was it, three years ago they almost played in their own stadium before the Buccaneers ended up playing in theirs? Uh, They were a championship-caliber team. So, And then there's not that many differences. It's just a matter of, like you said, they can't can't play at night. It feels like the AFC, (laughs) they can't play at night. The AFC is just loaded, though. I'm sitting there looking at some of the teams. Even the two and two teams in the AFC, I just look at them with more weight, like the Bengals or the Ravens. They're they're both two and two. They're going to play each other. Uh, the, the Bills night. are the best team in the AFC by far. Yeah, uh, like the Bills seem to be cream of the crop. Maybe I, I, I don't it know feels like Bills Chiefs. Bills Chiefs. It seems like that's where it's going to be heading in the end. And the Bengals are gonna have, not the Bengals. Uh, the Ravens are going to have something to say about that too because Lamar is playing out of his mind uh, so far. And this I'll year. be there eight eight twenty Sunday night. I'm at the bank with it. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. So we'll get 
uh, revealing that. You get to see Burrow up close in person. Yeah, I'm, I'm in row four, Mark. baby. Wow. See, I thought yeah. about going. Uh, I thought about going down to Charlotte for a Panthers game. Tickets are as low as like sixteen dollars right now. I'm about like, to say, crazy. yeah, you get one for <laughs> sack crazy. of peanuts. It's nuts. I'm like, what is going on here? Why? You know, I, am, I can't get a ticket for under hundred bucks. It's like they got sixteen dollars tickets for this game. I'm just like, hey, damn. hey, this. You ever see one of them videos when people be like, oh no, somebody broke it in my car, and they left four Panthers tickets in there. Ah. Oh! <laughs> I saw the funniest thing I saw online this week was uh, a Thursday night. It's funny because people complain about the Thursday night football game, but they'll watch the whole thing and like complain oh, about me? it. Like I was sitting there, I was <laughs> living hot, just hot. And someone was like, "This is like watching the Carolina Panthers play the Carolina Panthers on Thursday night football." And I was like, Damn. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Jalen, I mean, do you watch baseball today or college football? Uh, I'm gonna have to watch football because I got to work today. But I'm gonna try to split screen it. So yeah, that's right. So I, I'm probably not even gonna watch my Cardinals today because I'm just what a oh, fellas. I, I've had a very rough month. We had it the Ravens debacle. The yep. I oh, had the Ravens God. debacle against Miami. Mm. Then we fold against Buffalo, score zero points in the second half. Mm. And then we get we have a Ryan Helsley meltdown, <laughs> and then tucked his tail. Can I talk about that real quick? I know, Des, you didn't watch the game, but I'm going to break it down for you real quick. We up 2 nothing going into the top of the ninth. Uh, they got the second half of their order coming up. Helsley gives up a hit, a single, walks the next two guys, bases juice. We still up 2 nothing now. Mind you, one out. It's all good. We we can get out of this. He, he drills the next guy first pitch. Run scores. No worries. 2-1. We still got... A chance. All we need is a double play ball. This man, Ryan Helsley, looks into the dugout and calls for the trainer. And the trainer comes out and looks at his hand. And when the pitcher gets his hand looked at, it's for a blister. We all know. So you telling me. He throws one pitch after the trainer looks at his hand and he walks off the mound. I said, are you kidding me? And so not big of a game. Yep. Not only in the wild card. When you are closer, you're supposed to shut the door. You piss the bed. <laughs> then you leave the mess for everybody else to come clean up. <laughs> and, of course, it didn't. And we give up six in the top. We scored one in the second and had two on. But, I mean, to end the game. But I, I just couldn't believe it. Oh, we're going to get into some baseball stuff now that the playoffs are here. That's usually when I turn my attention to Major League Baseball once the playoffs begin. And I've got – I know i got dudes like you guys, Brandon, that actually – And I, I, I was hoping Brett was going to be on today so we could cry yeah. together. Yeah. I, I know he was crying. Oh, he I, was. I, I was <laughs> sick. I was sick. I could not – I was doing live shots during the game. <laughs> and so I'm doing my first live shot at 430, and I got the game playing in my back pocket as I'm talking. Yeah. And I'm listening. As soon as my hit's over, I'm like, did he just plunk Alec Bone to, to, to get the run in? Yes, he did. And I'm yelling, I'm yelling at my photographer. I'm like, I can't believe this. I'm talking to the coach, Coach Terrain from Moorhead. He's like, what's going on? I'm like, my Cardinals. They're tearing my heart out. And then I look, I said, trainer, the trainer. I, and I, I told my photographer, I said, yeah, I'm gonna. As soon as he came gonna, out, I said he, he about to come out this game. He about I'm gonna, to I'm gonna have some more. Get Brett's reaction right after the game because uh, he'll post things. Follow him on Twitter. Follow right him on after Twitter, the game, it's the funniest yeah. thing because all that 
It's great. I'm going to have a rotation of you baseball guys first hour during the playoffs because I know nothing of the baseball stuff. And uh, we'll get TV. more deeper than that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Y'all had a good one yesterday. McClanahan pitched well, but, I mean. I, Nobody could hit on the Nobody. So, could. I got to I'm gonna, I gotta let you guys slide. I got Ellis Williams from the Charlotte Observer waiting backstage. He's going to come on. We're going to preview Panthers Saint, uh, excuse me, Panthers uh, 49ers 405 kickoff on CBS, not Fox. Uh, it's on CBS this Sunday. How hot is Matt uh, Rule's hot seat? Uh, we'll get into that and more uh, Panther news coming up here in just a bit. You're listening to the rundown at WWBG 1470 AM and tobacco road You're listening to the rundown with Desmond Johnson. Walkertown Auto Sales. Look no further when shopping for your next vehicle. Located in the heart of the triad at 3076 Walkertown View Drive in Walkertown, Walkertown Auto Sales specializes in affordable and reliable used cars, trucks, and SUVs. They offer financing with good credit, bad credit, or no credit, with interest rates as low as 3.9%. With knowledgeable employees that are always willing to go the extra mile, you'll drive away with the car of your dreams at Walkertown Auto Sales. Check out the entire online inventory now at Walkertown Auto Sales. Hey y'all, Tiny's Bovalados. Is your car broke down? Are you stuck somewhere? Do you need a mechanic? You don't want to call a tow truck? Call Tiny's Bovalados. He'll come out to you, do your work, whatever you need done, your regular maintenance, or if you broke down on the side of the road, give him a call. All you have to do is pick up the phone and call 336-423-6241. You don't even have to see me. Just let me know what's wrong with your car and I will come and fix it, y'all. I'm on Facebook, I'm on Instagram, TikTok, I'm on the Twitters, whatever you you guys need 336-423-6241. As always, I'll be seeing you. Welcome to the Triad's best kept secret, Pecker's Grill, located on the corner of Highway 66 and High Point Road at 4110 North Main Street in High Point. Open 6.30 a.m. to 2.30 p.m. Tuesday through Saturday. Voted some of the best burgers in the Triad, Pecker's Grill also offers breakfast plates, breakfast sandwiches, hot dogs, lunch sandwiches, and homemade soup during the winter months. Visit Pecker's Grill for lunch today, 4110 North Main Street in High Point. One stop number six, located just one mile west of East Forsyth at 2748 West Mountain Street, Kernersville. A proud supporter of East Forsyth since 1983, serving fresh fried chicken and our famous taters seven days a week from 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. For a limited time, grab our Wife Saver family meal for only $13.99. Eight pieces of chicken and sides for four for just $13.99. One stop. Come see us at 2748 West Mountain Street in Kernersville. Back to the rundown with Desmond Johnson. Welcome back into the rundown, WWBG 1470 AM and TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. Uh, shout out to everybody that's checking us out on Facebook Watch, on our YouTube channel that's growing Tobacco Road Sports Radio's YouTube channel, and on Twitter at Tobacco Radio. Joining us for the first time, Charlotte Observer, Carolina Panthers beat writer, new beat writer, I should say, Ellis Williams, who's uh, joined the Observer's Panthers uh, coverage. We've had Plenty of those guys over the years on the rundown from uh, Brendan Marks, who's on occasionally. He's over at the Athletic now. Elena Getzenberg, who's now covering the Rams, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so there's a pretty strong lineage of guys. Joe Person, 
uh, who's a friend of the program, that, that have come through uh, from the Observer that have been beat writers. So, Ellis, uh, first time on, appreciate you coming on and uh, chatting up a little bit about these uh, about these Panthers. <laughs> How you doing? Yeah, yeah, man. Let's 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 have a little therapy session. I'm sure we got a lot to get into. Yeah, I, uh, I I co-host the Believe in Carolina Panthers podcast with uh, Jonathan Stewart and Skylar Callahan from Sports Illustrated uh, each week, and uh, we do two of them uh, a week. We do a, a recap at the beginning of the week of whatever the Panthers nonsense was 12 hours before, and then we do a preview of the upcoming game later on in the week. Um, let's just get to the main questions here and just hit all the hot spots. Matt Rule, how hot is this seat truly? Because there's a perception – in the public, it should be as hot as fish grease. But internally, I think it's a different story because I still see like it doesn't feel like the team has checked out on him yet. But the fans have, but it doesn't feel like the team has. What's your what's your vibe when you're at uh, these practices and these press conferences when it comes to how real is the hot seat for Matt Rule right now? Internally. I, I think right. I think there's an understanding inside that building that the offense needs to put a varsity product on the field that it needs to optically appear functional. Um, the team needs to avoid snowball situations like what happened against Arizona. You do that by remaining consistent, converting third downs, keeping your offense on the field. The Panthers are last in plays ran per game at just 52 for context. The bears are 31st. The Titans 30th, Miami 29th with 56 plays. Um, so to answer your question, yes, the seat is hot. The seat was boiling hot coming into the year. This is just such a hyperly focused offensive issue because everything else is working the way general manager Scott Fitterer and coach Matt Rule planned it, right? The defense has improved from last year if not picked up right where it left off they wanted their special teams to be able to swing games uh, you know they block a kick against the saints they've had uh some nice punts uh you know pinning teams deep uh ending games that way yeah um, there's a problem yeah it's crazy to say a punter is a problem but yeah heckler's pretty 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 good yeah exactly right so They've they've come together in every phase except the most important, right? Which which is quarterback. So um I, I think it's important to get a take a pulse of the league when you survey how hot Matt Rule's seat is, because the league is just in a strange spot right now offensively. There's a lot of two and two football out there. Uh we all just watched the Colts and Denver Broncos try to play offense and that didn't work, right? Yeah. So what 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 I'm trying to say is that you're right about the team not turning on Matt rule yet. In fact, I, I challenge anybody to go watch the TV copy or maybe a fan got a video of it after the Cardinals game, but Christian McCaffrey after the game went up to Matt rule against the Cardinals and put his arm around him. And, and I don't know what was said, but throughout the week, Christian voiced how he's in the meetings and bad football is not getting coached. And he put it on himself in the offense to figure this out. Uh, Christian is a very detail oriented process driven then results will follow type of athlete. So if he still believes as someone who is so militant about how he operates and obviously a leader on the team, then I think that tells you everything you know need to know about how the players feel about Matt Rule right now. Let's actually stay right there with Christian McCaffrey. Um, Ellis Williams with us, uh, beat writer for the Charlotte Observer. Follow him on Twitter at Book of Ellis. Um, I've always felt if McCaffrey's healthy, 
there's no reason why he shouldn't get 25 touches a game and some combo uh, rushing, receiving or whatnot. Dude got eight carries for like 27 yards uh, Sunday in a game where the score was tied 10 to 10 in the third quarter. Um, what do you think is the reasoning behind them not using McCaffrey? It almost feels like they're intentionally not overusing him uh, and trying to use other guys, but that stuff's just not working. The, the time, the one time this year where they came out with the intent to focus on Christian McCaffrey uh, at the beginning was the Saints. And we won that game, you know, like they start off with like two or three McCaffrey right up the gut run plays, just kind of get the offensive line lathered up. Why do you think they're staying away from the run game as much as they are? Considering they brought in Deonta Foreman in the offseason, they've got Chuba Hubbard, McCaffrey's healthy for the first time in like two years. Why do you, what do you think is going on here? Do you, do you put more of that on, on McAdoo or do you put it more on like game situations? Because sometimes that hasn't fit whatever scheme they're trying to do based on the situations actually occurring in real time in the game. Right. I think McCaffrey's lack of touches last week go to just game script and game flow getting away from the Panthers. Um, let's just, let's just walk this back. First, let me just address the third quarter. Um, Baker Mayfield had four passing attempts. Christian McCaffrey had two carries compared to 10 rushes by the Cardinals and nine passing attempts from Kyler Murray. So some quick math tells you 19 plays the Cardinals ran in the third quarter compared to six by the Panthers. Yeah. To me, that just is all game script. It had the Panthers, and that's what that's what this that's what bad offenses do, right? Like had this worked out, we're this close, but that this is really the reality of the team. Oh right my now. god, that drives me so nuts when Matt Rule goes into that in these press conferences. He's like, Well, you know, 65% of this play worked, and if we yeah. did this Matt, then you know, then we averaged three thousand yards or whatever. I'm like, come on, man. <laughs> like the, the ball didn't pass the line of scrimmage. Like, we can't sit here and talk about like the play not working. Um, and he does that a lot. Yeah, I hear you. And unfortunately, that's the only way I can explain McCaffrey's lack of touches because in when you think about game script, um, the Panthers likely would have rode Christian McCaffrey into the second half, into that fourth quarter, if Tommy Trumbull doesn't drop a, a third down pass across the middle. That drop is likely worth at least three points. Brings them into about the opposing 40. It's a first down. Maybe they gain some more yards, make a kick there's about a 99% chance that DJ Moore either scores or is tackled on the one yard line on the reverse that it is, is just botched by Richard Higgins and Baker Mayfield on that play. We're talking about a halftime score that instead of 10, three probably should have been 13, three, maybe even 20 to three. Yeah, exactly. And now we're talking about a different game script for Christian McCaffrey in the second half. I really think it's as simple as that, that these minute plays, these, these, mental loafs, these, these whiffs, these tough breaks are then snowballing into what we saw happen in the second half for the Panthers. I understand that that's not a valid excuse, but with how much parity is in the NFL, especially through this first quarter of the season, the margin for error is razor thin and, and the Panthers have been on the wrong side of that error in, in three of their four games. Baker Mayfield's become uh, a target of national media now after the game from last week. Um, uh, multiple bat I can't remember how many uh I think five was the official total of uh batted balls but actually I think it was more like nine or something like that that got hit or somewhere along the line of scrimmage um had never I've never seen that before in a football game at any level uh I call high school football here on Friday nights the college level pros I've never seen a game where a quarterback was getting his ball batted down so many times uh has there been any talk in the internally there 
with the Panthers in terms of why that occurred? Is there some sort of tell or something that maybe Mayfield's given off? Or uh, I know J.J. Watt's kind of known for doing this, but he didn't do every single one. And it felt almost scripted on the Arizona defensive side. Like they knew to stop and put their hands up at a certain point on certain plays. Do you think it was just good film study from Arizona or just luck? Or is it something the Panthers are concerned about going forward? Uh, it's something they're definitely concerned about. I mean, Baker Mayfield has uh, leads the league with 11 tip passes. The, the next closest is, is only at seven. So, you know, he, he's got a healthy lead in a, in a category he wants nothing to do with. Yeah. When, right. So what's going on there, in my opinion, is just, first of all, great film study and, and the ability to premeditate what could be happening in the Panthers quick game. There's also a lot of footwork errors going on with Baker Mayfield in the quick game. He's not trusting his feet to let the ball go and have his shoulders and hips turn to his target when the ball needs to come out. Thus he's releasing the ball at an angle that is um, not rooted in fundamentals, which then allows a defensive lineman to anticipate the throw, get hands up, and disrupt the trajectory. I think it's also important to note, you mentioned that J.J. Watt is good at these things. Um, Miles Garrett, Jadavion Clowney, this team has faced a lot of talented defensive ends, the longer type ends, right, yeah. who are able to to get up and get these passes. So that that is no excuse. It is a now becoming um, cancerous, if you will, to this offense. But I think it's important to note that Baker had two batted passes in the first half of the Giants game, didn't have another one after that. Uh, it wasn't a problem against the Saints, right? And it only really became a problem in the second half of the Arizona game, much like the entire offense. So it's a glaring issue, but one I expect to be corrected and something that if it shows up against the Niners, then the offense is just doomed because they got a lot more to worry about than batted passive. They can't even get the ball cross line of scrimmage. Like you're saying, like attempting these throws, yeah. then this, this one's over before it starts. The, um, the Panthers, uh, like you said earlier, only have like 50 something plays uh, in this game. Like they're, they're actually tracking to have like the least amount of offensive plays per game, like ever or something right. nuts like that. Uh, and you just can't win ball games when you can't sustain drives. Uh, and that's been their main issue on offense so far. The defense has really kept them in all of these games uh, so yep. far, which is the same script has been really since Matt rules got here. Um, right. I was just mentioning to the panel before you that, the Panthers rarely get blown out under Matt rule. That's the, as a fan, that's the annoying thing about it all. Cause like on one hand, you're like, if, if we're going to be horrible, let's just be all the way horrible. Not, I don't want to be mediocre. I don't want to be right there in the middle. Let's just be bad, bad, or let's be good. I'd prefer to be good, but these Panthers, they kind of tippy toe right on mediocrity where it feels like the script for each game, the Panthers will get a lead somewhere in the third quarter, fourth quarter. Cause they've led most of these games that they've lost. And then in the fourth quarter, they just don't touch the ball or they can't stay on the field. The other team keeps it for like an eight-minute drive. They kick a 50-yard field goal or something. Panthers don't have enough time to get back the other way. They lose by four. They lose by three, something like that. And then Matt Rule's trying to explain uh, missed opportunities at the podium every Sunday. That, I think, they need some sort of breakout game, especially on offense. So, of course, the 49ers come trotting into town, hot team, probably the top defense in the league along with Green Bay. Uh, so it's going to be even harder to really do this um, what do you think this offense needs to do against this 49er defense in order to really get going and sustain drives? Right. Um, this is going to be a really interesting offensive <laughs> showcase we're about to see. Um, the 49ers on 40% of their drives 
have been three plays and a punt. That's the highest in the league, higher than the Carolina Panthers. That's the league average, yeah. right? The, the league average is twenty. So I'm, what I'm trying to say is, you're, we're talking about a Carolina Panthers team that runs the fewest plays in the league, and a 49ers team that leads the league in three and outs. There's opportunity here for both sides, and in fact, the 49ers and Panthers really just play very similar brands of football. It's low scoring. It's allow your defense to disrupt the offense and then don't turn the ball over via your quarterback. And Jimmy Garoppolo has been better than Baker Mayfield at this point doing that. But here's where I think Carolina has some advantages. First of all, let's just look at the betting line. You know, six and a half tells you to your point that the Panthers don't get blown out. Everyone's acting like this is a very one-sided, lopsided matchup. Six and a half suggests that this is going to be a close game, one possession game, like every game is in the league for the most part. You know, this, this isn't Steelers Bills with a 14 point spread, right? <laughs> so the 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 avenue to a victory for Carolina starts with tempo, controlling the ball, which you do via the run game. There's some opportunities up the middle to rush against the Niners to um, allow their pass rush specifically Nick Bosa to, to rush upfield and you can exploit that by running behind them. Um, there's some chances in the secondary. You can get some uh, double moves on guys who are so used to not having to play in coverage for so long because their pass rush gets after the quarterback that you can exploit them uh, behind you. We're talking max protect. You might be able to hit a post corner deep to DJ Moore or Robbie Anderson. Um, then you need to avoid defensively for Carolina, you need to avoid the 49ers being in third and two, third and three, third and four. That's where they're most comfortable. If you're making Jimmy Garoppolo play in third and eight or more, you're going to see that three and out and that punt happen often for the 49ers. So this is a team that is comfortable. Both teams really are comfortable playing, you know, six, six football, nine, nine football, scoring with field goals and then just hoping to stick around to the fourth quarter to, to see what happens. Uh, both teams are going to try and keep this close. I, I think Carolina has a real chance to win. One more thing. We got to remember the 49ers are coming off a emotional home victory on Monday night football and now traveling across country to play a team they may be overlooking. So I actually picked the 49ers. Uh, I'm having some technical difficulties with my camera. Uh, I actually picked the 49ers to to lose this game and that this would be, this feels like it's shaping up as one of those weird games where no one's going to pick the Panthers to win. Right. The Panthers come out, they play this like game that nobody expected them to play. They win rather convincingly against a team that people were kind of hot on the week before. And it takes away uh, the, the stench of the whole, Matt Rule, is he going? Is he coming? Who's going to be the interim? All this kind of sure. stuff for at least six days. And then we'll just repeat this uh, <laughs> next week and go right. through it then. Uh, follow Ellis on Twitter at Book of Ellis, beat writer for uh, the Charlotte Observer for the Carolina Panthers. Uh, appreciate having you on this morning, man. We'll definitely touch base throughout the season. And hopefully, next time I talk to you, we'll be talking about a win streak or. You know, Baker had a 350-yard game or just something, something positive uh, with the with the Panthers. I think it's coming up. People forget it's a 17-game season. So we got – it's a marathon, not a sprint. So we got a little ways to go. Let's do this again soon, Desmond. Appreciate you. Coming up, more from the rundown here on TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com and WWBG 1470 AM. You're listening to The Rundown with Desmond Johnson. Blue Naples Pizzeria in Kernersville is now hiring. Come work for one of the best Italian restaurants in the triad. 
currently hiring dishwashers, cooks, front cashiers, and more. Great hours, great pay. Give them a call at 336-993-7707 or stop by and inquire at 1519 Union Cross Road in Kernersville. Start working this week. Blue Naples Pizza. You're listening to The Rundown. Uh, they're missing some parts, but Clemson's had the, like, the number one or number two uh, recruiting class in the country, it feels like, or at least top five, like mm-hmm. the past four or five years. So oh, it's not yeah. like they don't have kids on the on the sideline waiting for an opportunity, like exactly. four and five-star kids that we haven't heard about. Some talking heads out there have said, whoa, well, this Clemson team, they don't have T. Higgins. They don't have these wide receivers. What are they going to do? They're going to just plug in the next two guys. Exactly, they, like they, they did the year doing. before. Yeah. The year before, when they doing you don't, <laughs> you don't win 10 plus games a year for like going this will be like the 10th year in a row if they do it this year you don't for road sports ready Find your next car at Auto Store of North Carolina in Walkertown. Their goal is to make car shopping and car buying experience fast, friendly, and easy. They have helped hundreds of customers get behind the wheel of a newer, reliable, quality used car, and they could help you too. Stop by and speak with one of their sales professionals today and drive away with your new car. The Auto Store of North Carolina, 4964 Reedsville Road in Walkertown. Give them a call at 336-595-8550 and view the current inventory of vehicles at AutoStoreOfNC.com. Hey, y'all, Tiny's Mobile Auto. Is your car broke down? Are you stuck somewhere? Do you need a mechanic? Oh, you don't want to call a tow truck? Call Tiny's Mobile Auto. He'll come out to you, do your work, whatever you need done, your regular maintenance, or if you broke down on the side of the road, give him a call. All you have to do is pick up the phone and call 336-423-6241. You don't even have to see me. Just let me know what's wrong with your car, and I will come and fix it, y'all. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram, TikTok. I'm on the Twitters. Whatever you you guys need 336-423-6241 as always i'll be seeing you welcome to jay pepper's southern grill locally owned and operated serving the kernsville community for over 10 years delicious homemade southern food with a menu with a little something for everyone with daily lunch and dinner specials you can't go wrong choosing jay pepper home of the nest with east Forsyth head coach todd willard every tuesday night at 7 30 p.m live during the season plus wine wednesday with half price wine all day and live music every thursday night come join the fun at jay pepper's southern grill 841 old winston road in Kernersville. Call in your order now at 336-497-4726. Hey, Panther fans. Right now on the SiriusXM app, hear the most in-depth Carolina Panthers coverage anywhere with Believe in Carolina Panthers, part of the Believe Podcast Network on SiriusXM. Here for me, Desmond Johnson, and my co-host, Skylar Callahan from Sports Illustrated, and Panther great Jonathan Stewart, as we break down the Panthers before and after every game through the NFL season. Your team, your podcast, Search BLEAV in Carolina Panthers on the SiriusXM app, Pandora, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Do you believe? So, where exactly can you hear Tobacco Road Sports Radio? Oh! 
Oh, in North Carolina, Curtisville, Salisbury, you know what I'm saying, Burlington. I, 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 I didn't bring a Greensboro, Charlotte. For the best in live sports debate, live sporting events, and more, tune in to Tobacco Road Sports Radio. TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. You are locked into Tobacco Road Sports Radio, your home for triad sports. And you know this, man. Back to the rundown with Desmond Johnson. Welcome back into the rundown, WWBG, 1470 AM and com Live every Saturday morning here in the triad. Two hours for you. Get you ready for your, your sports weekend, your college football kickoffs at 12 noon. We lead right into it. Your NFL stuff. Uh, we got Major League Baseball playoffs kicking off right now. And NBA preseason. Last night, Hornets and Celtics in Greensboro. With me right now, he is the sixth man of Tar Heel basketball. B dot joining the crew. What's up, man? What's going on, brother? What's happening? What's happening, man? Dang, life is good this way. I got a couple questions. I'm gonna hit you with. It's gonna be a hard ten minutes with B dot real quick. I, I, I was gonna concentrate on one particular thing, but I'm like, now nah, I want to ask about this. I want to ask about that. So we're gonna hit all the hot spots real quick. I'm gonna get you in, get you out, almost like a sports buffet. But um, the first all thing right. I was with is our boys. Uh, you did uh, live action with Hubert Davis last night, or is it live action with Carolina basketball? I've seen it called. Um, it's just live action. It's live action, Tracy. Yeah, live action, it. Tracy. I love it. I love it. I wish I'd, I don't know why I didn't DVR that final four game. Like, I think I was just too geeked and just forgot to do it because I've been wanting to rewatch it so bad. And I don't, I don't know a way to really get the whole full game, but tell us. Now, what's crazy is this the final four, the championship game is actually where he drops is live action, Tracy. Yeah, yeah. And that was my first, I actually watched the championship game for the first time in totality. Um, the night before a late night or the night before live action. And it's interesting how you can know the outcome, but still have a bunch of emotions as you're watching the game. Like I remember, um, and we talked about this a little bit on the super fan show, but I remember at halftime of the game, everybody in the concourse area does we're up 40 to 25. And the only two questions that everybody's asking is one, where are we partying tonight? And two, where does this team rank in the hierarchy of national championship teams? Like, are they better than 09? Are they better than 17? Are they better than... It was just that type of conversation. Nobody even thought for a second that Kansas was going to come back. So we would go out there on that second. And even as I was watching it again, like, even still, we were the first to 69. You remember the stats everyone was saying? The first team to 69 usually wins. And there was one time where it was 68 to 67... Kansas had the ball and they missed and we scored and got to 69 first and then we couldn't move from 69. But even then, man, we got 4.3 seconds at the end of the game, had one play, Brady falls down, Caleb sort of panic and heaves. We still thought with it didn't it didn't process to us that we had lost until the confetti dropped out of the sky that was red and blue. And we were like, wait a minute, it's over. The run is over. Oh, we've got we've got unfinished business, and that's what it last fit, night was about. We've got a job to do. Like, it feels like 2016-17 over again. 
where like unless you're like in the Carolina program in terms of like a diehard fan or, or something to that effect, I don't think people truly understood the mission that that team was on coming back in 2017, being so close and losing the way they did. Uh, but I see, the like difference is, here you go, Des. They're just like the 2017 team in the idea that it's a redemption year. Right. But yeah. they have the star quality and the skill set of the 2009 team. And the pressure that that 2009 team had, because that 2009 team, it was theirs to lose. Like, it was Tyler Hansborough, Ty Lawson, Danny Green. Like, yeah. it's your ship. Go out and win it. But the problem with that team was everybody knew it was theirs to win. You remember, Des, if you remember, and you're listening back, um, we had lost to Georgetown. We had lost to Kansas years before. And, like, in the Sweet 16, then we lost in the Elite Eight. So when all the guys came back, because Ty Lawson could have went pro, Tyler Hansborough was already an ACC guy by that point. Yeah. They all could have left, but for the fact that they all stayed, it was like, yo, what are you here for? If you're not here to win a ship, you should have left. And Coach Roy Williams is on tape saying that this was that was one of the more difficult seasons because I, if I recall correctly, we started the ACC conference play 0-2. Yes, so a team of that talent starting 0-2 is like, what? So I have a lot of fears for this team. Um, I trust Coach HD that he'll have them prepared, but going undefeated in the NCAA is, you know, it's difficult, especially when you're in the ACC. So when we do have a game or two where we slip, I'm interested to see how the fan base will acknowledge that or how we react to that. Like we got 18 players on the roster. Des. Give me a name to uh, a young guy that people might not be aware of that might get some run this year that uh, that's, that's coming in. Either somebody that was on the team last year and just might have grown into a bigger spot or a freshman coming in that you're keeping an eye on. Give me, give me a name. I'm very excited to see DeMarco Dunn. Like the way he's been playing in scrimmages, the way I saw him play last night, like he really just has gotten a lot more confidence in his skill set. He's a lot more comfortable picking his spots. And when he picks those spots, he knocks those shots down. I really, really, really like DeMarco Dunn. I also like from the freshman coming in, I love Seth Trimble. Like there are some things that he needs to work on on his game. Like he could put a couple more handles in his bag and he can be a little bit better um, um, from the perimeter. But as far as his decision making, he's always aggressive. He's very athletic. He's, um, you know, for those that don't know, his brother is J.P. Tokoto, who was a former Tar Heel, who was very athletic. So he does have that athleticism, but he's a point guard. So he's sort of like a J.P. Tokoto and a Joel Berry. He's like a J.P. Berry. And, and I really just like his skill set. I also like Tyler Nickel, though. T. Nick is a dog. T. Nick averaged 35 points a game as a senior in Virginia and holds his scoring record in Virginia. He puts the ball in the basket. Got to get a little bit stronger on the defensive side of things. And you know Coach HD don't play that. If you ain't playing defense, you ain't playing no fence. So he's got to get his defense up. But putting the – like he might have had 20 last night. He's fun to watch. And he's invited to the cookout. (laughs) <laughs> See, and, Tri- and Tribble got bunnies, man. I didn't realize he had hops like that. Like he's like his his uh, his uh, cousin. Dakota was like that too, where he could get up and do some things. Uh, I feel like he kind of checked out at the very end though when he left uh, the program. But uh, I've heard a lot about Seth and, and Tyler Nichols, so that's good to hear. Because the one weakness that Carolina team had last year was depth. It was basically the Iron Five, and then maybe Puff Johnson, uh, Pete. Uh, yeah, maybe, you know, they were like six and a half man rotation pretty much last year. And for them to go as far as they did was nuts. I want to switch over real quick. Cause we were, um, 
on Twitter yesterday. Uh, actually, I think it was Josh Graham's post. Uh, we were on Josh Graham's post about the whole uh, Draymond Green, Jordan Poole situation. And uh, Josh was under the impression that it's just, this isn't a big deal. And I'm looking at it like, this is a huge deal. And then my first panel this morning, our first segment, uh, both Jalen Gilkey from WF and Wanus 2 and Larry Frank were like, this isn't a big deal. This happens all the time. Am I tripping? Because like Draymond hit this dude in the face with a closed fist at the workplace. Like this happened at work. This wasn't at a party. This wasn't at the house. This wasn't at a cookout. You are at work. Like, and you hit your co coworker in the face, and the Warriors aren't even going to suspend Draymond. Like, what does that tell you in your mind where Draymond could close fist, punch this dude in the face in front of the whole team, and the team is like, not a big deal, no suspension. And like, what's the first thing that crosses your mind when you hear when you put all that together? It's disappointing. It's disappointing to me because, um, you know, Draymond has been enabled by the Golden State Warriors, yeah. if we're being frank. Right. I mean, they've yeah. given him this title of enforcer to a point where he can do things like run Kevin Durant out of town and punch uh, a Jordan Poole in the face and slump him during practice. And you can tell by the response of his teammates that they're used to it. You Thank know, like you. not one person flinched. Finally. Thank you. I've been saying the same thing. It's like, no, ain't nobody going to say nothing about how everyone just stood there? <laughs> like, I mean, like, not just stood there, though, Diz. Like, you can be used to your man talking a lot of trash. But once you hear his voice moving from here to here, you're not even going to turn around. Once to see, like, Steph yeah, didn't like, move. Steph didn't move. It's like, they like even when he slumped Jordan Poole, it was like the... The coaches came over. Nobody. Yes. I didn't see Steph in the camera, Clay in the camera. Nobody. Nobody. I'm confused Nobody. as to how that works over there. And what's and it's a big story, contrary to what Josh Graham may believe, because we saw it. <laughs> that, it's that, always that. different when you see it. Ask Ray yeah. Rice. Yep. Ask yep. Solange, Beyonce, and Jay-Z. Yep. It's always different when you see it. Because when you just hear, oh, Draymond punched Jordan Poole, you're like, dang, I wonder what that was about. Like, maybe it was they were, they were here and got one of these. But no, he actually slumped them. <laughs> yeah, he squared up. Like, for, for starters, Jordan Poole's in the wrong. I think we're all in agreement. Uh, all of us that may have grown up a certain way, if somebody gets in your space like that and then puts the hands on you or you put your hands on them, like Jordan Poole, first of all, the push that he did was half-hearted in the first place. Let's just start right there. Like, it was more of a man get away from me now. I don't want to do it. So it wasn't like a what you gonna do about it type push. Draymond took it as a what you gonna do about it, like my wife push me type push and escalated it from like a three to an eleven. Like and like to your point, a coach walked over there with Draymond. Like while he was walking over there to him, you see a coach kind of meandering over, like, okay, this is gonna probably be something. He he punches the dude. What's the coach doing? The coach is just standing there, like you know, like, that's not to mention that Steve Kerr is the coach and he's notoriously known for getting punched in the face by Michael Jordan back in the day. But the point is, listen, Draymond has to suffer some sort of repercussions for this. There's no way they can just sweep this under the rug. And the reason is because we saw it. What, for me, I'm like, if I'm Jordan Poole, what do I do the next day going to work? Because, like, it would have to be on site. Like, pretty much any time I saw him, the cafeteria parking lot kids birthday part like it don't matter like you just kind of sucker punched me like well yeah we were face to face i didn't think you were gonna take it there and you pretty much made me go night night in front of my co-workers like that you're at a different uh 
situation in life <laughs> when you get to this point do they have to get rid of one of them or do you think they can work this out because it feels like everything we just said it feels like this wasn't the first time this happened like something has been brewing i kind of caught the vibe the older guys on that team didn't like the younger guys last year just in some of the clay would throw a little shade in some of his press conferences and they would talk about jordan maybe acting bigger than what he was and that kind of stuff do you think that they got to get rid of one of them? Because I think uh, Poole's going to be up for an extension after this year. Draymond, he's in the middle of his extension, but I think it's up after next year. Who you keep, Poole or 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 Draymond? I don't know. I think I don't think they will get rid of Jordan or Draymond, and I don't think we'll see any issues from this until playoffs. Like I think we'll get through the season, and if they can win again, if they can go back to back, it's water under the bridge. However, if in the playoff stuff starts happening, then I think this will be revisited. The most important thing right now is how embarrassed Jordan Poole is, obviously. How um, clearly it is evident that um, Draymond Green cannot um, use his words effectively. He does not need a podcast. He needs a therapist. And third, there is a leak in the organization because there's no way TMZ should have ever, ever gotten that footage. Somebody got the bag like for that. Somebody in the video department got about 10 grand or whatever to slip this this tape to TMZ. TMZ always gets these tapes. Like they all they're like in the bushes. <laughs> they always get them. And like I don't know how they're getting them done, but this was the most clear, egregious video. Like I didn't when I first watched it, I did not expect to see what I saw. I was just like, right. Oh, oh, he just oh. <laughs> like, right. He went to sleep. <laughs> like, right. They would a slap. It was like an open hand slap or nothing like that. Like he squared up and hit my guy. Like you could see Jordan Poole's jaw. Yes, <laughs> yes. Trouble. And you can tell when Jordan Poole punched him, pushed him. Draymond didn't even hardly move. He right. just moved back enough to get his feet to get set. Square. So yeah. Face. Can... <laughs> right I was like, and then the Warriors come out with the whole. It seems like the Warriors are more mad the video got out than the fact that Draymond punched Jordan Poole in the face. Like, because they're just like, we want to know who did this. They're. Draymond's cool, no suspension. I don't know, it's just wild to me. I feel like Draymond's going to be with the Lakers in two years anyway, like playing with LeBron. You like, think so? Oh, you know what? With LeBron, LeBron, Draymond, and Bronny. That, that sells some tickets. <laughs> that would sell some tickets for sure. Um, for sure. I got to get you out of here. I got uh, Michael Davis and Ryan Frick coming on. We're going to uh, preview uh, WWE Extreme Rules later on tonight. But um, real quick, tell them about, I know you got a new deal going on with uh, the British Tar Heel. Uh, George, tell them about the, uh, the Superman show. Yeah, man, we're very excited, man. The Super Fan Show, um, it is the British Tar Heel and I. We just dropped our first um, episode on this past Thursday, and we have teamed up with the Rundown and that boy Desmond because you know he is the super content producer, so he's constantly putting great content on his platform, and he has reached out to the British Tar Heel and myself, and we will be joining forces every Friday on the Rundown. You can catch the British Tar Heel and I, B. Dot, the sixth man of Carolina basketball, on the super fan show. Now, a super fan is nothing more than just an excited fan. That's it. And when you talk to any Carolina fan, most of them are very excited, especially when you're talking about this season, which makes all of us super fans. Now, when we're in the Smith Center, we need the energy from everybody. I told you this last night if you were there. We're all the six man. We're all the six man. We need the energy. So when you see me, you see me throwing up them sixes, that's what I'm throwing them up for. We're the six man. So when you see me, Hit me with my sixes. You understand? But we're very excited, man. The Super Fan Show. Um, you can find it on YouTube and all plat um, all um, 
what is it, uh, podcast platforms. Um, again, every Thursday morning, it will be dropping a new episode. And if you're a super fan that has stories of your fandom, we would love for you to send those to us um, so that we can put those on, man. This is a super fan show for the Carolina community, and we're very excited about it. I love it. It's going to start uh, this upcoming Friday. I guess you, I, I realized that you guys did it on Thursday, and you were previewing uh, live action. And for some reason, I thought live action was Saturday, so I was going to play it yesterday. Realized it was actually going to be too late, so it'll actually begin next Friday. Uh, you can hear the replay here uh, at the beginning of TGI Fridays. Uh, lineup on Tobacco Road. Follow him on Twitter at B dot. You know where he is. He's all over the place. Uh, we'll. We'll see each other. I got to talk to you about your cousin Q because he got thrown out that football game last night. I know. Uh, what happened? What did he do? Man, he uh, he like slapped a dude in the helmet or something. Like it was on the far side of the field. It looked like kind of like I don't know for sure. I don't know for sure. But he, he I gotta be- call him. I gotta call him and Nick. Yeah, I gotta call, call him like, and Nick. Yeah. What nephew out there doing now? Tell him, Dad told me that he was doing something wild. He had to go sit down for the rest of the game. But East won fifty nine to zero. So it was they were playing Parkland. So that you know, I'm hitting Coach Horton. Coach Horton was asking me about Bo May last night. Anyway, so we got to break down the tape from uh live action. We'll break down go. live action and that Parker East Forsyth game. I'm gonna holler at you soon, brother. I'm a real quick. We're going to skip through the commercial and we're going to go straight to Michael Davis and Ryan Frick. Uh, WWE Extreme Rules tonight. For starters, guys, I love the fact that WWE finally realized, hey, we don't need to do this on Sunday nights anymore. People got jobs. The NFL is on. Why don't we put it on Saturday? And now they finally put these pay-per-views on Saturday night where I can really enjoy them. I want to get through the card uh, with you guys and get some predictions here. Starting off SmackDown Women's Championship, Liv Morgan versus Ronda Rousey is an extreme rules match. Um, who do you got here? Because to me, it feels like it feels like Morgan's had kind of a weak reign as a uh, champion. Uh, it's almost like she's a placeholder, but I'm not sure for what. Uh, Mike, let's start with you. Who would you have winning this contest and why? Well, I feel like I feel like this is Ronda's best work of her career yet in WWE, just with like her character work. She's tossed Adam Pierce around like a rag doll, and the fans have gotten behind that. And I can't help but think we have Crown Jewel coming up. Saudi Arabia wants all the big names. So I believe that Ronda Rousey actually defeats Liv Morgan and wins back the SmackDown women's title. I've noticed that they've kind of worked on this thing with uh, Ronda Rousey and uh, uh, Shayna Baszler and like in the back a little bit, kind of teasing, maybe teaming up or doing something. Uh, Ryan, do you think that maybe they might be teasing a formation of the four horsewomen uh, of some sort with like maybe giving Rousey a stable? Because I feel like that's the one thing she's been missing that she needed some running mates with her to make her look pretty much the Roman Reigns effect. You know, put some people behind him, have him at the forefront, makes them look bigger. Rousey could do the same thing. Do you think they're kind of going that route or or, or what? Because I'm past the point where I think WWE is doing stuff and don't know what they're doing. It feels like everything they're doing, they have an idea of where they're going with it. What do you think the end game is with this? Oh, absolutely. Not only are, is, is she beginning to form her own uh, her own stable, it starts tonight because Shayna Baszler will help Ronda Rousey retain oh. or uh, win win the SmackDown Women's Championship. I don't know if they're going to bring back the two ladies they had in NXT with them or if they might try to throw um, – and, I, of course, I'm drawing a blank on her name um, – the, the, the woman who was doing the, the – the sidekick to to the the manager guy. I, I I'm Adam Pierce. Oh. Who is it? Uh, no, Sonia Deville. Thank Sonya you, Deville. Sonya Deville. Yeah. Why could I get that out? Yeah, I, I feel like they might even throw Sonia Deville in there. Um, Ooh. I mean maybe Zia Lee. I mean Zia Lee is is working heel right now. 
Um, they just teamed up on SmackDown last night. So, Mm -hmm. um, Sonya would would make a lot of sense with their backgrounds and everything, too. That'd actually be pretty fire stable, the three of them. It seems like Triple H is with the three-man stable. Like, that seems to be the thing, uh, having the three, uh, like with Bailey's damage control or whatnot. Um, So that's... So I think we're both we're you're saying that uh Ronda's gonna take the title back mm-hmm. tonight. Oh yeah, Ronda takes the title back tonight. And if Liv Morgan looks like she's about to get the upper hand, it will be Shayna Baszler helping Ronda win the title. Um, I mean, I, even even this new stable that we're talking about, this MMA stable, if you will, um, you know, you're gonna get I mean, Shayna Baszler is a long time women's tag team champion. Uh, we may be able to get uh, you know, like you said, like a bloodline but an MMA bloodline where they hold the women's tag titles and the world, you know, the world title. So I I, kind of see that coming. The raw side, uh, Bianca Belair champion taking on Bailey in a ladder match and a match to be honest, could possibly steal the show. Um, Here it feels the same type of things going on, but on raw, the one thing I've noticed, and I've mentioned it with you guys before, triple H loves stables. And I understand Mm -hmm. why it does. You can build mid quarters out of them, which eventually become main eventers. Uh, That was how the attitude era was. That's how he became a main eventer. And uh, they've done that on both sides with Raw and SmackDown now uh, with Damage Control, Bailey's group uh, having the tag team titles. And um, between uh, Bianca's kind of had a bit of a lackluster run uh, as champ. She's been champ since WrestleMania. Is that right? Yeah, Yeah. she won it back at WrestleMania. Yeah. So um, thoughts here, because I could see them putting this title on Bailey uh, and having that Damage Control basically run Raw's women's side. And maybe you eventually set it up for something with whoever they build with Ronda. But Bianca's been a pretty strong champion throughout. Who do, who do you guys have here, Bailey or Bianca? I feel like you need to have Bailey win. I feel like they're going for the evolution where they hold all the gold. Dakokai and Neo Sky right now have the women's tag titles. And I don't know if I know we talked about it a little bit on last week's show on the rundown, but this could be where Bray Wyatt slash White Rabbit. I don't know if I can drop Bray Wyatt just yet, but I feel like this is where they get something involved with maybe Alexa Bliss turning mm. on Bel Air. That would make sense. Yeah, yeah. no, I agree. Sense. I think um, I think this is listen, you know, Michael mentioned that we have the Saudi Arabia show coming up. Uh, I don't think we've ever seen a title change hands in Saudi Arabia. I think um to to Michael's point, I think this would be the time for Bailey to to win the title. Them the, for them to run it back in Saudi Arabia and and Bailey to retain to hold that three person stable with the titles. Um, and you know if if you've been paying attention to the QR codes, um, uh, the one that they showed last night at the beginning of SmackDown, uh, it's 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 if you've never if you've ever seen Bray Wyatt, it's it's pretty self explanatory that that's that's pretty much what's what's coming. Um, I'm wondering Sorry. where he's going to pop because I do believe it's Bray Wyatt too. And I'm also wondering what iteration of him is going to show. Is it the fiend? Cause I felt like with the fiend, they ran it. They kind of rode him into a corner at a certain point. Uh, is it Bray Wyatt and you're going to, you know, rebuild the Wyatt family or whatever and include Alexa in it this time around. Or uh, cause it clearly triple H has no problem building stables that have, that have a mix of male and female in them uh, like judgment day, which we'll get to here in just a second. So I could see a, some sort of maybe, Bray Wyatt, Braun Strowman, Alexa Bliss type of click or whatever. I mean, Alexa and Braun were mixed tag teaming together, so they have history. Uh, so you know that we could we could see something like that along the lines there. Uh, do we? So we picked uh, Bailey. I think everybody's picking Bailey to win that one there. Mm-hmm. Matt Riddle, Seth Rollins fight pit match. Um, 
I'm trying to understand exactly what this is going to be. It feels like it's going to be like an MMA type of match, sort of. Uh, I, I mean, listen, they, it's not <laughs> the first time. They, it's not the first time they've tried it. I mean, they tried it with with Ken Ken Shamrock back in the in the late nineties. Yeah, they, like, they did it with Ken. Yeah. They did it with uh with with Steve Blackman. So. Um, Riddle's even, even done one in Yo, NXT. A lethal weapon yeah. reference. I love it. I love yeah. it. Steve Blackman. <laughs> um, yeah. That's really hard to pick for those kind of things. It could just be uh, Daniel Cormier, Cormier is going to be the special guest referee, but I feel like that might be getting set up to do something with like Brock Lesnar or something down the road. Uh, I don't know if we'll get involved too much here. I'm going to pick, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to pick Riddle to win this. Although to be honest, I, this feels like one of those matches is going to end up like, you know, double dq or no contest or something to that effect like i I don't know if it really helps either of them uh to win this match at this point it should end this feud um but we'll see edge finn balor and i quit match um another interesting thing here uh judgment day's been trying to get aj styles to join them uh i was against it at first but now as i'm kind of you know looking at a little bit more and it looks like they're going to kind of angle uh, Roman Reigns to go up against uh, Styles next. You could kind of do it. Survivor Series is coming. It seems like it would make sense to have AJ Styles help uh, Finn Balor tonight join Judgment Day. And now you can do, you hell, you can do Bloodline versus Judgment Day at Survivor Series. And I even have Roman in the match because you've got four guys you can use for Bloodline. And you've got four guys at that point you could use for judgment day and you just have real on the outside and roman on the outside or, or whatever way you want to do it but it would be the main event of survivor series i'm trying to think months ahead like and i see them trying to set these things up here um am i am i crazy to think that maybe that might be the way this goes because it feels like also it's a time for edge to kind of be gone for a little bit and then come back and uh they would be basically squatching judgment days uh push if uh if finn loses this to edge right Listen, I think uh, I think he might be onto something. I, I'm still going to hold out hope that, uh, that that Hunter brings back the the Gallows and Anderson, and we get we get a club versus Judgment Day before we get Judgment mm. Day versus versus a, a, a you know a bloodline. I just listen. There's too many heels right now. Um, you know, you got to think. Even you know, I'm thinking about SmackDown last night and the war that Gunther and Sheamus had on SmackDown once again. Oh. I mean. The brawling brutes were a heel stable until they went to England for the clash at the castle. And the now they yeah, and the crowd flipped them. And so I feel like there's too many heels, especially individuals, to to make AJ another another heel. I mean, I think he's been underutilized right now. And I think that the nice build would be to sort of maybe even help Edge overcome the judgment day tonight. Um, and then, you know, at some point something changes down the line, but I'm, I'm going to hold out hope that, that we get the club back in WWE and we get a, uh, a judgment day led by Finn Balor, essentially, uh, against the, an AJ Styles led reincarnation of the, of the bullet club, uh, I would at Survivor love, Series. I would love the uh, Gallows and Anderson to come back. And from my understanding, I've been trying to read to see if I could pick up any tea leaves to see if it's a possibility. I think the only thing that they really have out there is uh, New Japan. Uh, now that they're free from um, impact, from impact, uh, so and you know how that goes. You, you have no idea what the contract is with New Japan, but usually it allows them to go other places. And you got to think that Triple H has been in contact with these guys with because he brought them in. You know, he was the main person that brought all these guys in, like AJ and Finn and and all of that. So um, I would love that if that happens. I could see a situation where 
say AJ does join Judgment Day, but still not too sure about it. Gallows and Anderson show up. It causes friction with Judgment Day. He splits back off. You get a Finn AJ match. You get uh, tag team matches out of it. You can build all this stuff off of these uh, these factions and then kind of go from there. Um, I would love for the end result to be Finn to go with AJ and uh, the club uh, to to do what he teased years ago um, at SummerSlam when uh, Balor beat Seth Rollins for the Universal title, the first uh, matchup for it. They teased it backstage. I still remember clear as day. It was like AJ, Gallows, and Anderson, they were back there talking. Finn's walking to the ring. They start talking back and forth, and they throw up the two sweets, like, give us a two sweet, and he just kind of shakes his head and, like, laughs and walks off. And it felt like they were teasing some sort of group with them. Finn would have won the title, and then they would have eventually all joined together and just ran it that way, but it never got a chance to come into fruition. Um, Karrion Cross drew McIntyre to strap match. Uh, I would think at this point that Karrion Cross has to win this match. They've built him to this point where you can't throw him out there the very first time and he loses to Drew McIntyre. And I don't think it really hurts Drew McIntyre to lose this match. Mm-hmm. Uh, Karrion Cross, it feels like they're building him for something. I don't think they're building him to feed him to, to Roman Reigns. But it feels like they're building them to somewhere. Um, so there's that. And then you've got the good old-fashioned Donnie Brook match, the Brawling Brutes versus Imperium. This just seems like this is going to be like a ballroom brawl uh, all over the place. Who who uh, who wins this matchup? Now, this is going to be a good, fun match. And I can't help but think about last night on SmackDown where – Gunther retained against Sheamus using the shillelagh. Shout out to Fit Finley for that one. But especially with the Brawling Brutes, you know, Sheamus losing last night, I feel like the Brawling Brutes can, you know, overcome Imperium. I want Imperium to win. I think Imperium should go over because they need it more than the Brawling Brutes do. But I'm more excited for what they do after this because, you know, we're talking about factions. Legado Del Fantasma debuted on SmackDown last night. You have the bloodline. You have like various factions where Imperium and Brawling Brutes can lead this feud both hot after this weekend and get steam elsewhere. I I would I would respectfully disagree. I think uh, I think the Brawling Brutes need it. It's been a while since even Sheamus has got to win, even though he's a former champion, all that stuff. Uh, but you got to think uh, between Holland and Pete Dunn because I refuse to call him Butch. Right, <laughs> they have they haven't done much on the main roster regarding winning. I mean, I think the the most infamous thing that Rich Holland is known for right now is is injuring Big E, even though Big E doesn't blame him for it. So yeah. I think I you know Imperium being back is awesome. They're going to have time as a bunch of young guys, a bunch of guys who have put in the work to get their bodies right to make a nice solid run mid card, you know, beyond on the main roster. I think. Uh, I got to give it to the Brutes, man. I think they need the win, and I think they get the win tonight, especially after what happened on SmackDown last night. A bit consp- well, it's a raw uh, pay-per-view for the, for all intents and purposes, but a bit conspicuous in their absence is the bloodline from this pay-per-view. They're not on this card anywhere, none of them. Uh, Uso, Sami Zayn, uh, Roman Reigns, uh, even Solo, none of them are, are performing in this. Um, real quick before I get you guys out of here, uh we're, what do you think would be because the next thing after this, I think, is, is Survivor Series, if I'm not mistaken. No, it's well, yeah, Crown Jewel. You've got, you've got Crown, Crown Jewel, Jewel then, yeah. Survivor Survivor Series. Series. yeah. So I'm trying to figure out a way for the Usos to, to lose one of these belts, um, probably the Raw belt because they've had the SmackDown belt longer, so we continue their streak or whatever. If you had to choose a, a tag team, uh, to take it from them, 
who would it be? I mean, listen, I, I for one, I don't think they should split them up. I mean, there's plenty of talent on the roster where you could do championships on each each show. Um, I mean, listen, it's it's not. I don't think they're going to do the brand split until after Survivor Series. Mm-hmm. Um, so you could, I mean, I could I could envision a New Day getting one more run with them, maybe with a returning Big E, even if he's just going to be a manager at that point. Um, I I personally would love to see the Alpha Academy get another run with them because I can't get enough of Chad Gable and Otis, man. I love those guys together. I love, I love Chad Gable. Shoosh. Yeah. And they can <laughs> wrestle. So good, man. They can wrestle so on top good. of it. Yeah. They, they, they've really honed yeah. his character into kind of almost like a, a Kurt Angle 2.0. Like, yes. You know, like that same annoyance that you would have a Kurt Angle, but then when he's in the ring doing stuff, you're like, dang, this dude can go. Um, I, I, I think I'm holding out for Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens. Like, I think yeah. this whole bloodline storyline is going to lead to Sammy's going to be the reason cracks start to show in the foundation. Like, he's going to be the reason that things start to fall apart slowly. And it'll start below Roman. It'll start with the Usos. Like, something will happen. And they're already planting these seeds with Jay Uso and Sami Zayn anyway. The animosity between, the, well, really Jay towards Sammy. Um, I could see a situation where maybe the Usos and Paul Heyman or somebody, they throw Sammy out one night when Roman's not there. They kick him out of the bloodline or whatever or they jump him uh, at the end of a show. Uh, Kevin Owens comes out and saves him. They set up some huge match, Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn versus the Usos for the belts, or the, at least the Raw belts or something, and they win them and take them off of there. And then because of that, Roman becomes irritated that the Usos lost the belts and all this other stuff. And you build it from that. Meanwhile, Rock shows back <sighs> up the challenge for the head of the table. Like So it kind of all writes itself, really, if they, if they want to do it that way. But um, having said all this, We've run past our time. Uh, sorry, WWBG. But uh, <laughs> all this, the, the pay-per-view sounds like it's going to be good tonight. Overall, so good. WWE feels like they're kind of killing it right now. Uh, is that the general assessment from both you guys, that interest is peaking again in terms of wanting to check out what Triple H is doing with these guys? Yeah, a year, a year ago, it was like AEW was catching steam with CM Punk debut, Brian Danielson, Adam Cole. It felt like AEW was the cool place to go. And then in a year's time, Triple H takes control. There's some backstage drama in AEW. Mm. And all of a sudden, like the tides, the tides turned. And we're going to see if like the tides continue to turn or whichever direction. But I, I'm really happy and really pleased as a wrestling fan with the work that Triple H has done. And this pay-per-view is all about that with the way he's really brought extreme back into extreme rules. For nobody. Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry, just real quick. For nobody that watched the early incarnation of NXT before they joined USA Network, people are starting to understand why NXT was the cool product to watch for so long so with good. Triple H at the helm. Yeah, so yeah and you're starting to see some of that blue, uh, black and gold influence on the main roster, which is kind of what all of us marks really wanted in the first place. We wanted them to start doing what NXT was doing, and he's implementing that vision. Uh, Michael Davis, out of pocket with Michael Davis every Friday uh, Friday part of the TGI Friday lineup. Now on WWBG starting this Friday, October the 14th. You can hear that at 5 p.m. Uh, on WWBG. Uh, Ryan Frick, tap outs and touchdowns. I think he has two episodes each week. At the beginning of the week, it's a uh, – oh, wait, which way do you do it again? It's Wrestling Episode Tuesday. Wrestling the beginning, football and then episode Tuesday. One. So you can catch that twice a week in the afternoons, weekdays on Tobacco Road Sports Radio as well. Got to get you out of here. I know everybody's getting off for noon kickoffs. Enjoy the weekend. There's a lot to get into sports-wise. We'll be back next week. 
The Rundown, Desmond Johnson, WWBG 1470 AM and Radio.com. Peace. This world.